Welcome back, Nitty Gritty family. We are back with a new episode. And it was one of those episodes that I think we'll, we'll always remember, right? Yeah. So we had Alexis and Shantae from Let's Talk Sis. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. They are incredible. So they their whole kind of platform, it's only been around, which is crazy, it's like a year. Right. I mean, very new, but it's all about like race, inclusion, diversity. In Utah. You know, in Utah. Their story is crazy. It's it's a really, really good I think story. I just said crazy like four times, but it's really good. Like as a high school student speaking in On the Washington. Hill. <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> On C SPAN. Yeah. Fifteen year old, you know, girl from Provo, Utah. Yeah. And so you'll kind of hear their story, like their 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 background is that their mom's white, their dad's black, and just kind of hearing their stories growing up with the racial things that they dealt with, and then what their kids are dealing with now, and just well, how they like, are real and prevalent it still is. You know, this is it's heartbreaking. It, it, <laughs> That's the only word I can come up with. It, is heartbreaking. It's this is a very eye opening episode because it's just. I think we all have a tendency to kind of bury our heads in the sands a little bit with some of the stories that have been coming out, especially lately, because there's just so there seems to be so many of them. But there's so many of them for a reason, yeah. And we have to. These two do such a good job of not making. They don't. They're not out to make anybody feel bad. No. They they just want. They just want to help. To they fix want it to things. Get better. They want to change things, but they do it with so much like poise and grace and kindness and mercy and i don't know they just have such a real they have such a i don't know what the word is just they it's a a soft touch i don't know they just know they they know how to communicate no they grew up here you know they didn't have to even um alexis said that she didn't have to deal with some of the things that she saw where her husband grew up in the south yeah and and so well, and how you? I mean, how interesting is that too? Right. You know like what I she mean. She has such a perspective on what it's like in the South, what it's like here, what it's like to not deal with those things, how to talk to the white community. You know. It, anyway. Well, and my my favorite thing about it, you mentioned the quote. I had saw it on their Instagram. Is the Maya Angelou quote that right. you know you do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Yep. Right. And so this is one of those episodes where hopefully everyone who listens to it now knows better. And we'll right. Do better, yeah. And then we can each do better. Yep. And that's what it takes. It takes every person doing something in your home. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have to be an Alexis and a Shante and be speaking on these massive platforms. You know, we talked a lot about talk to your kids. Yeah. And if that's if that's your first step. That is such a good step. Well, and that's where you change the world, right? I yep. mean, we talked about that quote too, but I mean, if you just start in your own house, that's where you can make the change because if everybody does the same thing. But you know, the other cool thing about this, it was a fun conversation. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we like that we have kind of an entertaining just sit and chat vibe on our show and we talk about serious topics, but these two are a blast. Like, mm -hmm. they're really fun. And they but have big personalities. Like long before, yeah, yeah. long after. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so it's it's very timely and we it, it's very important for us to hear this information, but you will have a good time doing it. Yep. So, so thank you as always for 
listening, supporting. Check it out. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome back to the Nitty Gritty episode 117. We are so... I don't think I've ever done something for 117 weeks in a row. (laughs) I've stayed married longer than that. Technically, we didn't do it in a row. Well, but you know what I mean. I mean, (laughs) we've stuck with it, right? For very minimal return. Yeah. Other than knowledge and friendship, which has been pretty valuable. Yeah. And I have a feeling we have two new friends now. Yes. Anytime where we talk for 30 minutes before we actually start talking on the mics, it's a good sign. They didn't bring treats, though. So, but we'll see how that. Look at them, look at each other. Like, see how that, uh, you know. Next time. Maybe you can make up for it. Yes. Because I'm going to send you home with barbecue. So, that's awesome. We're going to, yeah, we lay it on thick. So, you feel, so yeah, next time you come on, it'll be exciting to see what you guys bring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, we have the two beautiful sisters from Let's Talk Sis. Okay. Alexis Bradley, who is married to one of my good BYU football friends. Brandon, you know, I have a funny story about, hold on. I'll tell you right okay. after. Okay. <laughs> Shante, I'm sorry. No, I get, it's all good. It's I talk good. a lot about ADHD on here and <laughs> you're seeing it in person. So, so Shante Schwarzenegger is with us. <laughs> so it's Shante, it's Stutz, not Stutz. Yeah, Stutz. Stutz. I wanted to say it. like Schwarzenegger, like. You want to say like, with like the Terminator with accent? The A, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Shante Stutznager from... Both from Provo originally. Yes. And well, they're, just, I hope so. They're sisters, so they would probably be from the same place. <laughs> well, okay. I meant Provo. I guess you're right. I shouldn't have said both. Give me a break. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're from the same place. That's true. You can be born in different places. My that, siblings are. That's right. Right. And you can be reunited. Doesn't even that's mean, true. you know what I mean? So, geez, Andrew. <laughs> wow. How insensitive. Welcome. Thanks Thank for coming. You. The story I was going to tell you about Brandon was this is a funny story (laughs) (laughs) so brandon and i were on the sidelines at a byu utah game this is post his playing career obviously and a it utah had you know how each team provides game balls right yes well a utah ball was thrown into the byu sideline and let's just say it disappeared I'm not saying it was me and I'm not saying it was Brandon, but it was one of us. <laughs> Never to be oh known. Oh my right? goodness. So have you seen a Nike football at your house with the Utah logo on it? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go look now. Oh, he's going to kill me for telling that story. Oh, it's that's so funny. funny. And you know what? I don't even know if he walked off with it. I think he just, the, it's so funny because when, whenever a ball is thrown in the sidelines, every, each sideline has like two or three of those like freshmen in college, like ball boys, right? Yeah. And this kid was just running back and forth, just like looking, looking. for it everywhere. <laughs> and we're just laughing. And so, yeah, I don't think I don't think it walked off the field. I think we just yeah. hit it because it was Utah ball. Yeah. We kind of wanted to piss off the Utah right. ball boy. That is funny. I'm glad we did because I think it was the game that we had like, it was, was it Taysom's? No, not Taysom's last year. This was just like two years ago where we had like a 30-point lead in the second half and then we blew it. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. So it was either that game or Taysom's last game at the U, but yeah, it was pretty funny. Brandon's a blast. <laughs> that is funny. Sorry. He is. So hopefully I don't get him in trouble because I none of us walked off the field with it. Let's just say that. At okay. least as far as I As far know. as you know, unless it was like hiding. I think this was making like having some fun with the ball boy, but 
If you've seen that ball, then maybe I'm wrong. I actually have not seen anything Utah in my home. Yeah, so. seeing that would be the other thing. You'd probably just leave it in the parking lot. Because, <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't want to take that ball home unless we had won. And then it might have been cool to have a game ball yeah, from that yeah. game. Yeah, you don't want to remember that game. No. No. No, we no. don't. There's a lot of games we don't want to remember. Yeah, I have some memories. I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, we're good. We're one to know against the good old you. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. So good. the past is just a story. <laughs> that's what I always say. The past like is that. just a story. And the past is just a story. The past is just a story. I live in the present, and we are one to know. There you go. So anyway, welcome. Enough Thank about BYU you. football. Let's talk about you guys. Yeah. You're both of very average height. <laughs> yes. We like For to me, average so. height. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So how tall are you? I'm Alexis? six feet. Six feet tall. Yeah. And Shantae? Oh, it's sad. I'm five nine. Well, you I'm say that like You like this. say that like you're short. Yeah. Well. In your family, it sounds like you many women would love to be five nine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wear the heels. I try. I'm getting a little old for it. Oh, I don't know how anyone could walk in heels. I'm getting to that point. I know. It's no <laughs> joke. I kind of think we ruined ourselves by yeah. trying for so many years. <laughs> well, yeah, it's got to be hard when you're tall. Yeah. It's like you want to wear the, like we said, you want to wear the cute shoes, but. You do. Like, you're already kind of limited. Oh, well, and then the it's just. Short it's, boys out there. It's farther for you to sit down, you know? <laughs> That's how I feel yeah. on the toilet every time. <laughs> like, I hear those, I hear those squatty potty advertisements. Like, I don't need that. <laughs> like, that's already what it I, is. My knees are already up to my chest. <laughs> when I'm sitting on the toilet. You need to invent, like, toilets for tall people. They, Do they, they have that? I swear they have, like, bigger seats, but they don't really make them. The height. Yeah. yeah. They need to make like risers. There That's you the go. company Adjustable. we should start. You like yeah. press the button like and an it goes insert. up. Yes. No, just like a, it adds on, like you just. Like a you really know, big cushion. Not not even, <laughs> even that would work, right? Like a new lid and seat. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like I, so I'll admit this. This is at Brad Davis's house. He's a very good friend of mine in California. I was, I went bodyboarding all day. You know, boogie boarding. Yeah. And I was wearing the little fins, you know, that just totally wear your legs out. For sure. I went to sit on their toilet after doing that all day and my knee gave out. <gasps> no. And I just like, cr I totally cracked their toilet seat. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I had to come back out out of the bathroom like, Barb, his mom. I'm like, um, I'm going to go to Home Depot and get That's you guys like a toilet scene from seat. A like, what happened? Like, my knee gave out and it's like a three foot drop. It's like a three My bad. <laughs> I should stop with the stories now. I I'm love sorry. it. Oh my goodness. These are good <laughs> stories. Some good stories. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Enough about me. Let's talk about you guys. So let's talk sis. So where'd that come from? Like, So this is our story. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. 2020. That's where it started. Not really. Our story started before then. But, but let's talk sis was born. Yes, in 2020. 2020. So we were asked to do an interview um, about... Like a little Facebook stream, like live yeah, stream. Yeah, live stream. Wasn't interview. a big deal. Right. And they just wanted to ask us about our experiences with racism. This was like right after George Floyd. Yeah, just a couple Middle, months like, after. Yeah. So things yeah. were. And so it was kind of like a favor to someone Shantae knew. I told her, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get in the middle of this. Is that the first time you'd been asked to speak? So let me give you like a little that. more background. So okay. we worked with two nonprofit organizations based out of Washington, D.C. and Miami, Florida. Um, I started in high school. I wrote an essay. Um, I went to a training. 
the organization was really impressed. So they asked me as a youth delegate to be on their national board that later went wow. international. So in high school, I was traveling back and forth to D.C., Dallas, Miami, had all these great experiences About what? to like, work. What was it it was crime prevention, specifically in schools. And it was back when school shootings yeah. first kind of were becoming a big thing, sadly. Okay. So there was a lot of talk on how do we keep our schools safer? How do we get kids involved where it's maybe not like they're ratting each other out, but it's anonymous tipping and we can just create a safer environment. So a lot of the board members were people. I mean, we had a guy from the Secret Service. We had lobbyists. We had just professionals in D.C., and so as a young 15, 16-year-old girl, wow. I'm getting to hang with all these people. And What made you want to do that in the first place? So I didn't necessarily want to. They just requested, and I thought it was a cool opportunity. And my mom was always encouraging us to see the world, to get out there. Okay. And, I mean, it was kind of scary, like, the first time she sent me because sure. I was young and innocent and grew up here in Utah. And right. Then, you know, going to a big city. And I remember one night we got lost. Like, it was just a lot of crazy experiences. <laughs> yeah. But it really created this desire to just want to show up, use my voice, um, working with a lot of kids in inner cities, like just experiences and stories that I didn't see here in Utah. And through that, of course, Little my best sister, friend and sister right? tags along for everything. <laughs> yeah. And we actually had quite by the end of our time there, we had a good group from Utah that were really involved and connected with all of these different organizations. So it was like something that we had done, like we had traveled, we'd spoken, you know, huge conferences. I think we both spoke at the U.S. Department of Education conference like before we were 18. Yeah. Yeah. We were on C-SPAN. Where did wow. you guys, where'd that confidence come from? Very, very few high school kids, one, would ever accept that, and then two, would be able to do something like that. I think she had more confidence. Alexis definitely did. I remember being in the bathroom almost vomiting before I went out to speak. And I, w I was alone. You weren't with me at the yeah. U.S. Department of Education. And I was terrified. Yikes. <laughs> well, and I think part of it was like, we didn't know it was such a big deal either. Right, right. Like our friends aren't watching C-SPAN. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so, right. Yeah, you're We're just 15. like, hey, we were in D.C. and we did this thing, but it doesn't mean anything to our friends. Okay. And the few friends and family that were like adults, they thought it was awesome. But it was like, I think we just didn't fully know it's probably so, a good thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it for gave sure. us lots of experience. And then, you know, we went to college. We met our husbands. We got married. We started having kids. So this was not something that we were actively doing, but it was like in our wheelhouse of experience. Okay. And because of some of the experiences that my kids have had in Utah um, with racial bullying and things being said, I've always had to be really involved in the school, in their classrooms. So I feel like I've been advocating, and Shantae's been right along with me, um, for them that we've created some curriculum. Like, we've done a lot of things. And so when we were asked to speak on this, um, at this little streaming thing on social media, it's like we had things to say, but I didn't feel like we wanted to become public in the middle of so much tension right? and we're down in Spanish Fork and there's Confederate flags flying high. Like you just don't know where people are, if they like you, if they don't like you because of your skin color that I wasn't trying to put my black family out in the open. And so I told Shantae, I said, I don't want to do this interview. And she was like, let's just do it. We'll keep it light. <laughs> yeah. And, and they came to us and said, what's your social media 
like, what's your Instagram handle? We want people to be able to go to you for questions. We both kind of freaked out because we had our personal Instagrams. We didn't want to share that. So it was literally the night before the interview where Alexis is like, let's just make a new handle so we can, people can come there and we won't have personal information but we weren't even expecting people to come no we weren't it was just kind of like we don't want them seeing pictures of our babies and our kids so let's just make one so i just she's like we talk about everything let's talk let's talk sis so i made it and during the interview yeah it i mean usually they said we were expecting a few hundred but we had like twenty thousand there because whoa 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 what yeah live and it was a 30 minute interview that went 90 minutes and we had twenty thousand people from all over and who is it with i mean you so it was high five live that's what it was yeah and it was even i think the platform we were using yeah yeah it's like like a a church thing we had never heard of it before and then we were on Streamyard, and even the owner of Streamyard called them after and said we've not ever had that type of engagement before but it just went to show i think where we were as a country yeah with these conversations and people were like what do we do we're frantic i mean this was you know two and a half months after everything showed there were people from ireland like international people were tuning in so a lot of like how we like to talk about this is meet people where they are. And we understand sometimes there's a language barrier in this conversation. And even me marrying into a Southern black family and seeing the experiences and spending time in the South, I can see that my family here in Utah, they don't know what they don't know. And so in order to have this conversation, it's almost like we're having to speak a different language to the audience that we grew up in. I mean, we're from Utah, we grew up in Provo, like this is our community. And we have an opportunity to speak in a way that hopefully they can understand and connect. And we really try not to use guilt or shame in this, you know? And I feel like that was really, people wanted that. They were hungry for it. They wanted a safe place. And we shared stories. We were really vulnerable. And from there, I think the next morning we woke up and there were like 500 people there. And we kind of thought, oh, shoot, I guess we have to do something with this account. (laughs) And then two days later, there were... Well, yeah, so we we posted a few things. Some things got shared. And it took about two days to have 6,000 plus followers. And And it just grew. yeah. Yeah. And people wanted it. And we felt like... It wasn't anything we planned on doing, but when the opportunity was there, we thought, let's keep talking. Let's keep having these conversations. And I mean, we barely knew how to use Instagram. So we've like had to learn. I mean, (laughs) I'm texting friends. I'm like, wait, what's this? I don't know how to do (laughs) this. literally (laughs) YouTubing how to like upload IGTV the first time. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. Well, it's crazy because I was just looking up. So when you guys launched, is it June of 2020? Mm-hmm. We did our episode with your host and Tim. It launched June 15th. Oh, wow. I mean, oh. it was like the same week yeah, possibly yeah. that yeah. all this stuff was going on, right? So that just gives me perspective on kind of where we were at. And to your point, wanting to have conversations, like that's why we had Yehosh and Tim come on because yeah. good friends, I felt safe being able to talk about stuff and could appreciate their perspective on things. We also brought our niece on, Milena, that same episode. So, wow, that's crazy. So, I mean, it's been a fast and furious ride for you guys. It's been a whirlwind. It is. <laughs> yeah. And it's been like, I mean, people reaching out, asking us to do things that we're just like, what in the world? And pretty quickly, TEDx Salt Lake City 
contacted us. Two months us. after we started. And we pretty much emceed that year. And that gave us a lot of connection. So it was just like everything we've done has just led to more and more. Yeah. And it's been great, but it's also been really hard to manage. And it's hard to know where do we put our time because a lot of really tough, hard things are shared with us. And yeah. people want us to get involved and want us to help. And so it's just been interesting trying to figure out like what are we, what aren't we, what do we do, what don't we do, balancing family life in the midst of it. Because Yeah, you can't. You can't hold up every flag, right? Yeah, like can. you can't yeah. hold up every cause, and it's not saying that they're not important. Mm-hmm. So, what was it that kind of ultimately gave both of you, call it confidence or conviction, that this was going to be the flag that you were going to hold up and you were going to stand in front of people and talk about this? I think really what it came down to were the personal experiences. Like Alexis, her kids have been dealing with difficult things in their schools for a while. And so we were involved on a really small community level, but it just, it hits home for us. It's things we've lived and we've experienced in this race conversation. It's something that touches our families so directly that I think that puts that passion behind it. Well, and I think that we were already having these conversations. Do you know what I mean? It was just in a more intimate space with friends and family But then to have this platform, and I think one of the biggest driving forces for us is when we started showing up and we saw the black youth in Utah and how they responded seeing us talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there was one incident, um, there was one situation where I actually stopped the whole thing and I said, I just want to talk to the kids. And I saw the tears stream down their face and I just remember like, What would that have been to us when we were growing up if we would have had someone that looked like us talking about these things that are on our heart all the time, but we don't feel like there's safe space to talk about it. And I feel like it's like for our own children, but we've just seen this need where it's like the kids, they need these conversations. They need us to have these conversations with their parents so their parents can have these conversations. And I feel like that's been a big driving force for us to just keep going and keep showing up because there's times it's emotionally exhausting. It's triggering. It hits close to home with experiences we've had. And then even we show up and people have feelings about us. Like we're the black girls in Utah that talk about race and some people like it and some people don't. And then you're like, are kids, people going to treat our kids differently? Right. You know? And so it's it's stressful, but we keep feeling like we need to do this. So we keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. And that's well. the trick, right? Just don't overthink the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. You go with your gut. So just to add a little context, like you've mentioned a few times, I think it's important for us to repaint the picture for people on just what daily things, you know, we have all these big things that we see in the media, right? Yeah. But I think it's important to talk about the little, you know, Milena was really interesting for that. Like she's our niece and God, we just love her to pieces and she's pretty quiet. And, you know, like you said, nobody should ever have to hold stuff in, but when you don't feel like there's a place to like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's no one to listen, nobody cares. Or no one's going to believe or, you. Yeah. Or even, even yeah. if you, yeah. Whether it's true or not, if that's how you feel, then we're doing something wrong. And no kid should have to carry that stuff. Like, that's adult stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you can worry about that down the road. Like, you're not supposed to be having problems like this when you're a kid. You know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be holding in all this emotion. And, yeah. And just, like, you know, gritting your teeth and dealing with it. Like, that's not fair for anyone. But, you know, you guys have mentioned kind of what you've experienced in your family. Like, 
Do you mind if I ask what some of those things are? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to hear sometimes what happens, especially, I mean, I, you, we grew up here, Provo, Utah, you think, you know, very religious, very, you know, all of these things, kind people, but it's happening, yeah. right? And just unaware of it ignorance right right? just very unaware of what's happening and so i think it's important that we do hear some of what has happened and is going on because i think it's important to know well yeah we can't fix something we're not aware of you know and so it definitely well and i think that we have a lot of compassion and love for this community and there are great people here yeah and it's hard because sometimes i think we use the love one another if we'd all just be kind but you can be kind and still have biased and racist beliefs. They both can be true, they right? They both yes. can be true. Yeah. It's not, it's not one or the other. whoop someone's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's more than that. And sometimes going a little deeper in that conversation is hard. And yeah. I feel like, you know, my mom, just to give you a little background. So our dad's black, our mom's white, but our dad passed away. So we kind of looked like the two adopted girls growing up. And our mom did a really good job trying to advocate and prepare us. But I remember, you know, even in fourth grade, being told by a girl that she couldn't play with the N-word. And she called me the N-word in front of all my friends. In fourth grade? In fourth grade. And I remember I didn't fully understand what that word meant, but I felt, I felt this sick feeling. And I could see by the response of other people around that it was really bad. And I remember going home and telling my mom, and we talked about it. And it's interesting, I still actually know this girl. And I, it like, it just cut me so deep that I didn't know. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't know. I felt embarrassed too, because all the other kids heard it. And basically, only pointing me out and saying, I can't play with you because you're, you know, the N word. Sad as a fourth grader yeah. to learn that stuff on their own, right? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. like, where did, like, well, and that's where the does thing that come from? is what a big part of what Shantae and I talk about is that parents think, Oh my kids, we don't we don't use that in our home, but it's like especially in this day and age, you know, you have social media, you have all kinds of different things that kids are picking up and if you don't process through it with them, they could use it and they yeah. could really hurt someone. And so those conversations are so important. And then I feel like from that point there were times that that word was used. Shante had an ex- Shante's had lots of experiences, which I'll let you share. But I remember even in high school, sitting in a hall, I had missed a day, and the teacher told me to go out there and take a test. And then a school administrator saw me out in the hallway taking a test, and he got really upset and accused me of cheating. And he walked me in front of my whole classroom and made me have my paper, stood in front of the class and said, I found your student outside cheating. Um, and then alluded to the fact of me being a troublemaker. And I remember my English teacher being startled and just saying, I told her to go take that test out in the hall. She's not cheating. And then I even remember later the same administrator accusing me of other things and me saying, go look at my grades. I'm on the honor roll. And he then said, you hang out with this group of girls, you brown girls cause all this trouble. And I said, I'm not, I don't hang out with those girls. Yes. And there were a group of girls that had slashed some teachers tires and they were actually Polynesian. And he assumed that I was in that group and he treated me so differently. And I remember him later going and looking at my grades and even saying like, I made a mistake. 
but it was just always having to prove yourself that you were a good student. You weren't a troublemaker and being accused of like trying to get into a dance without pain. And I had teachers, you know, saying, no, she paid like, and I just felt like I was labeled when I felt like I was doing everything right. And I was a good student and I, you know, was involved in all these extracurricular activities. And it just felt like I couldn't get away from this label that people had because of what I looked like. Um, and then Shante, you can share some of your experiences. Well, it's interesting because there's like the day-to-day experiences, which, you know, it can be termed microaggressions. And some people think, oh, it's just people being too sensitive. You know, when people want to touch your hair, look at the palms of your hands to see what color they are. Jeez. You know, all these different things. I've, you know, are they, yeah, it, the, you feel like you're on display. But why that's so harmful, I think, for kids is because it makes them feel like they're wrong. Like something's wrong with them, you know? Oh, your hair feels the fact weird. That there's or, attention being right, brought to it. And it's a constant thing. Like, I can't tell you how many times it happens in a week, you know, just yeah, going I mean, to the store. People are touching my kids, touching their hair, like, you know, just like, does your skin feel the same way? Or like, why are the palms of your hands white? And it just draws all this attention that it makes kids feel like, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Like, maybe I don't belong. Right. And even the research on belonging is so profound. Like, all of us need to feel like we belong so we can thrive in the environments that we're in. Yeah. So, so I guess ultimately it's like, we've got to be more familiar with diversity so we're not treating people like aliens. You know, that's yeah. a, and it's I think a problem. That right there is so important. Like, you know, being familiar with it or being comfortable yeah. with it and having it not be so so different. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about your, your gym story. Yeah. Yeah. So this was for me the first time that I was like, holy cow, my skin color is going to be a problem. And, you know, I had a lot of things happen as a kid, but you can kind of brush it off. You know, those little micro things that aren't huge, but I was leaving the gym. I was, you know, maybe 19 or 20, walking home from what it was Gold's Gym back then. This is like six and years ago, seven years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> and, you know, there was this big black truck that pulled up next to me. And I don't know, probably like eight guys. There were a bunch in the back of the truck and some in the, the cab. And they started just screaming the N word at me and throwing liquid and glass bottles out. What? And I froze because it's like, yeah, I should have called the police in that moment. But it was the most crazy experience of they're doing this to me because I'm black. Like, holy cow, I I haven't done anything wrong. And here I am getting chucked bottles at me, you know, and it just, it shook me. It shook me pretty bad. Um, and it that was kind of just the beginning. I feel like we've had a lot of big things happen. So we talked earlier why I moved to Spanish Fork. I was living in Orem and it was Christmas time. This was what, three years ago. And I had a five month old and a five year old. So we're loading the car and I lived in a townhome that didn't have like a garage. It was just a carport. So I'm right off of a main street. Anyway, I'm loading my kids in the car and I hear something and I'm like, that's loud. What is that? I kind of look around and as I look around, I see a car stop in the middle of the road. And four men jump out of the car and start running towards me and my baby, screaming, I'll have you nigger dead on this street. And they're sprinting towards me, like, I'll kill you, I'll kill you, screaming racial, you know, profanities. And I my, I got my five-year-old in the car, and I literally just threw the baby carrier in. Like, there was no buckling or anything. And I pulled out and sped off, and I could see them in my rearview mirror just screaming behind my car. And 
you know, I I called my husband first and he's like, you need to get off the phone with me and call 911. But it, the next day, that same car was parked in front of our home. And so, you know, the FBI hate crime unit got involved and they just said, they know where you live. Hopefully they're going to bark louder than they bite, but we don't know that. And so we listed our house like that week and we were gone. Um, but it's just, this? this was three years ago. Oh my Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And it's just That's crazy. It, it, it's insane. And it's something that I had never imagined happening to me, but because it's all those little things that happen daily that you kind of, you get really used to ignoring. But when something big happens and you realize your life could legitimately be in danger. And it's, I, I had to explain to my five-year-old, like he heard those words being screamed at us. And even now he still talks about those bad guys, you know, and it's just, it's pretty awful. I remember when Yehosh talked about his wife, why is her name escaping? Vanessa. Me? Vanessa, mm-hmm. I yeah. love her. Like getting mad at him for wanting to go on a walk at like sunset. Yeah. Just like a beautiful night. He's like, I just want to go for a walk. And you know, he's down in Spanish, right? Yeah. And I was just like, what? wait, why? And it's just like, well, like if somebody doesn't know who I am and they just see some random black dude walking in the neighborhood, like you just never know what'll happen. I'm just, it just hit me like, when's the last time I was ever scared to walk around in a neighborhood? Right. Yeah. I mean, we walked through. Like, that is a problem. Like downtown Chicago, not not scared. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I'll never forget that either. You know what? And and I had so many, so like a lot of my customers were black and I would ask them like, how come nobody gives us any crap? Well, because the police will actually do something if something happens to you because you're white. Yeah. And I was just like, what? That's real. And, and I mean, I could, I could walk past one of the nastiest gangs on earth. Just say, what's up? And they just be like, they all thought I was either like the only reason a white dude would be walking <laughs> through the neighborhoods if they were a cop <laughs> <laughs> or like a missionary or something. Right, right. And it was just like, you know, it, but how sad is that? Like, even in, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods, it's like, I still have the advantage, you know, and that sucks. So I can't even imagine, you know, it must have been so cool for, for you guys to go to, you went to DC, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, anybody who's been to D.C., that is a very polarizing town. Like, it is such a, I mean, it's like, let's talk Hunger Games. What's the district? What's the main one? And then the poor one? Mm. I mean, it's like you go from, like, yeah, yep. the history, the ultra-rich and powerful, to just, like, you got Washington, D.C., Baltimore. Like, it is, it can be, it's gnarly. Like, it's scary, scary stuff. Yeah. And it's, but growing up in Provo... You know, it's like you guys kind of have the responsibility. Like, that's a lot to carry. Like, we're the diversity here. Cause, mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't, 28, I know we kind of joked with, with the age. I don't know how <laughs> I old you guys really are, I but 28. <laughs> even, even now, there's not, you know, a lot of, you know, racial right, diversity right. in Utah County. So even, yeah. even though, you know, you guys are black growing up in Provo, you didn't get to see a lot of racial diversity either. Like, right. and to it's go true. and see that must have been such a It was eye-opener. life-changing yeah. for us. Like, we literally, I even remember just being a girl here, you know, and just being like, I mean, I don't, I, maybe I'm biased, but I don't think we were ugly. <laughs> but, you know, it's like we weren't the cute little blonde cheerleader, you know? So going even to these 
more diverse conferences. And I even remember it gave us different confidence. We're like, oh my goodness, the boys like us. Like, the boys are coming after us. And in Provo, <laughs> I have a problem care. with that. So how come the black dudes have it so easy here? Because every it's white different. chick on earth I know. the black dudes. That is true. It is. It right? Is true. It is true. But it's interesting because we also Messed saw up. a shift. Destiny's Child. I'm <laughs> no, serious. Interesting. We started getting more life. Wow. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. The oh, bigger yeah. like Whitney Houston got when she started oh, more of her God. modern CDs, Destiny's Child, Beyonce. Yeah. We started getting more dates. Don't forget like TLC, I'm not please. even kidding. Please don't yes. forget TLC. <laughs> but the right. as you see kind of the black women rise and get more attention, I really feel like that trickled down here. So by the time we we're in college, it was a little bit of a different story. So either it's like guys wow. who serve their mission somewhere diverse. <laughs> yeah. Or Someone who had a thing for Beyonce, then right, it like, right. but you know, you knew kind of quick. You're like, okay, this is why they're asking me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everything is marketing. Everything, uh, right? Yeah. Isn't it true though? Well, yeah. it's funny because we were talking about that before we started. Before you guys got here, is you know, with Black Lives Matter, the the biggest problem isn't the message; it's the marketing, it's the branding. It's like the there's a couple of quotes that I have just been rocked by on your Instagram. And that, and you guys are practicing what you're preaching. I mean, it's not, that's that Maya Angelou quote. It's the second post. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Yeah. Like yeah. Ha- that is just not judgmental. It's, it's giving, it's, it's, it's Christianity. It's giving grace. It is. It, and and, and, and we and, can relate to that because I'll tell you. Spending time in the South with my husband's family. Oh, the South is no joke. Like, I I changed a lot of the things I thought. I really did. Like what? Like what? So I feel like I grew up here in Utah thinking a lot of things were, like, based on your work ethic. Yeah. And so if you got an education, you worked hard, and you did your best, that you would probably be treated pretty fairly. And that if you weren't doing that, then maybe that was why you were treated poorly. And so I feel like there was this high standard. And you'll hear this now. It's kind of the pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. And kind of that mentality of, well, you did it to yourself sort of thing. Like you chose not to get an education. That's why you're having all these problems as opposed to maybe that wasn't even an opportunity kind of thing. And so then spending time there. And I feel like growing up here in Utah, too, with predominantly conservative beliefs, you know, even just like politics, beliefs in the church. And then I felt like I tried to take what I knew and what worked for me and apply it in this different setting, and it did not work. Hmm. And I even remember at our wedding reception, there were a couple of sociology professors that um, were in my husband's ward back there. And because I was majoring in sociology, we had some conversation. They started telling me about incidents in the community of where black people were harmed or killed. And I remember I was like, what? Like the, this where in we the South live. still? Yeah, in the right. South. And I just couldn't believe it. And it's these white professors telling me about it being unsafe for black men. And it was a different level than what I even knew from the experiences that I had in Utah as a light-skinned black female. Right. And then seeing things that start happening to my husband. And I even, I was telling Shantae about this on the way over. There was one time some cops showed up to, at our house here at BYU were um, accusing my husband of stealing, and it was just horrendous. And they they said that they could hear, like, the cell phone was pinging 
in our area. That and they he talked had stolen to a cell phone. Yes, that he had stolen that a cell phone. So it was pinging in the area. And they t- we were in a fourplex, all young college married students. And they talked to everyone there, and it wasn't a big deal, but they would not leave Brandon alone. And I remember they came back with more police cars. And I remember the police kept telling me, please step aside, ma'am, and pushing me back. And they kept saying, we know you did it. Let's just go down to the station. And they kept like saying, it's going to be worse for you if you just don't admit it. Come on, we know you did it. Let's go down to the station. And I remember feeling so helpless. And where I grew up in my world, if you use your words, if you know your rights, you're okay. But I see Brandon using his words, knowing his rights, and even me using my words and being told to go back in the house. My kids are crying at the doorstep. My neighbors are all standing around horrified. And they're seeing this, this is did BYU not. BYU married housing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Were these BYU cops? So, no, no. They were, it was Provo, Provo. Provo. PD. Yeah. And so I'm like, seeing their hor- like they're horrified. They've not seen this happen. And it's like everything that I was taught. You know, if you look people in the eyes, if you're respectful, if you you do what you're told, you're going to be okay. And I'm seeing that's not happening. And they're literally trying to take Brandon down and accuse him of something he didn't do. And then even his name got out. Some girl got on social media, was totally tearing him to shreds. He didn't do it. And it was ridiculous. And I feel like in my early marriage, things keep happening like this. And it, it's outrageous, you know, like even Brandon was taken into like a cop car and a canine unit with a dog. They wouldn't tell me anything. I'm calling my mom. She's trying to get a hold of the head of police. Like it's just he's not innocent until proven guilty. He's labeled and it doesn't matter what we do or say. And I even remember telling an officer once being like, he works at BYU. He has a master's degree. Like, and that doesn't matter, you know? And so well, I just feel his like. demeanor. Like, sorry to cut you off. I know. But I've you known know Brandon him. a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's Brandon. Like. I know. He is the nicest, like smiling all the time. He's just a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. And he's always been that way. And you, and it's like, but when we talk about holding grace, it's like, ah, it makes me emotional. But it's like, my husband was so patient with me in my learning journey as I grew up in one world and then saw some of those beliefs and perspectives didn't work in his world. And I saw these people that were working so hard and didn't have some of the opportunities or access that I grew up with. And I felt like I was judgmental. And the more time I spent and the more I saw, I saw the family history ties of the people that had been chased from their homes, their homes burned. Like that is not very many generations back. Like that's no. in the family history. And so that's I three feel people like back. it is right. exactly. Yeah. It. It's three people back. And I'm just like, I say it all the time. I'm just so thankful that he had patience with me so that I could see. And I've had my own journey. So when other people are coming into this conversation, I can hold space because I feel like a lot of my black friends and family held space for me That's as really I was trying to learn. Because your yeah. level was different. It was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, which it, it's such a hard thing to quantify, right? Because it doesn't feel different when you're in it, yeah. right? But like you said, it can always, I mean, I think we can apply that to almost anything for anybody. Like it can, no matter how, how hard things are, it can always be worse. Where did Brandon grow up again? He grew up in Alabama, and then they moved oh. to Tallahassee, Florida. So let me tell you a little Alabama story. <laughs> yeah. fast. So I, I blew my knee out on my mission in Chile. 
came home for a month. I was such a screw off the first six months of my mission that I did not want to be released. Like I had to like pay back the Lord, right? Okay. I had to finish. So they reassigned me to the, the Dal Dalton, Georgia or Tennessee Knoxville mission, but I was in Fort Payne, Alabama. They had a lot of like sock factories there. And so they needed to open a Spanish speaking mission. Well, the KKK was still active mm. in that part of Alabama. Wow. And we worked with the Salvation Army two days a week, just doing pickups and service. Um, you know, and in the South, like if I was working with Latinos, it was easy. Like we could get a lot of work done, like humble people, like it was great. But like trying to attract in the South, like Mormons are not well liked. Right. right. Yeah. So we thought it best to do service. And so we did Salvation Army. I translated at the hospital three days a week. But I'll never forget Lee Cobble, who ran the Salvation Army, took us. He goes, let me show you what the real South is. And he didn't say it bragging. He's like, keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Don't take any pictures. I'm going to take you somewhere like just act normal. You know, we're like freaking out. And it ended up being a KKK swap meet, for lack of a better term. Wow. Guns. I mean, I saw T-shirts that would blow your mind. Like just. This, I mean, this is 20 years ago, Yeah, but I mean, that's not that long ago. That's not it's long not, ago. Not, and I mean, not very we're long. talking like active grand dragon dude living in town still. Yeah. It's wild. It is. And, and we've seen it time and time again. Like it is not much better there now than it was 20, right. 40 yeah. years ago. Like that is a lot to, that's a lot of history to break. It and, is. And it's, I can't even imagine what it would be like growing up black in some of those areas. So, and I think like, that's, that's the so thing. We, we couldn't imagine it either, you know? Yeah. It was just, and it's, it's crazy to me because I bring this up a lot because it's been something that's really kind of rocked my world as far as Alexis and I and, what we experienced growing up was so similar. You know, we look alike, we talk alike, we, you know, all that stuff. And then I married a white guy. I met, married this Midwestern white boy. And let me <laughs> tell you. white boy. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. With the Schwarzenegger last name. Yes. Our lives are so different now. Right. I don't ever think about I don't fear anything. Like, just like you brought that up with Yahosh, Alexis has so many stories of, you know, even even your story of being pregnant and feeling like Brandon couldn't go to the gas station for you in the middle of the night. Like, Jeez. I don't ever think about that stuff. And then to even add to this, we're raising children and her children are dealing with crap. And my kids, nothing. Like, I have these little light-skinned, blue-eyed children. Right. You know, and so it's like this to me, the disparity shows the magnitude of the problem, and that color really is, the problem. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, well, see, and that interesting perspective, yeah, that's really, like really sisters, interesting. I mean, family, tight knit cousins. If that's not proof but just that living it's color, same city, right? Not everything, yeah, same, same neighborhood, right? Yeah. You know what same I mean? Everything. Yeah, same everything. Well, and it, it's interesting because it really does help us speak from different perspectives, even I'm saying. Like maybe talking to other black kids and saying, you know, it's really not about you. And I know it hurts and it stings, but this is these beliefs are representation of something bigger. And I wish someone would have helped me maybe know that I wasn't wrong or the problem or there wasn't something inherently wrong with me and I wasn't cursed. 
And so it's like trying to help black kids navigate these situations, take care of their mental health, find a support system. And then Shantae speaks to the other like, side. How do like, you interrupt racism? How do you recognize it? And, you know, I have an eight-year-old and we talk about this stuff all the time. What are we looking for? What do you go to the teacher for? What are the things you can say? Like we role play this stuff. Well, and how many people because, get defensive if you try to bring it up? Like I would never do that. Right. And so it's you a know? different perspective, but we're teaching... We have to teach not just like acknowledging diversity, but embracing it and loving it and, and normalizing, it, normalizing it. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's tricky too, because we, at the beginning, I feel like we're talking to parents so they could talk to their kids, but we quickly realized, no, this is the broken down level that adults need. Yeah. So it's like, 100%. we're not talking on how to talk to kids. Like we're really talking to people and they are absorbing it at the level that we're giving it. And it's interesting, too, because it's so hard, even if kids walk into situations and are prepared, like if, you know, kids know how to watch out and help a friend if something's said to them and a black child knows how to advocate for themselves, if the people in charge and the teachers and administrators aren't trained and aren't prepared to handle it or deny it, (laughs) you know, and don't take care of it, then it creates a bigger problem. And I think we're seeing some of that right now Mm -hmm. where we're seeing like, We've so many of these hot topic issues are tied up in all of this and people are afraid of parts of it or there's extreme version here and then an extreme version there. But our concern and our worry is, is if we adults can't figure it out, it's hurting the kids. Yeah. Well, the other sad part is the liability of it all, right? Yeah. It doesn't, people are more incentivized to just shut up and like Mm -hmm. just deny, deny, deny. Mm-hmm. For because they're scared that they might get sued or they might. Yeah, right. that's and that's the other what problem. we found is teachers are afraid. They, yeah. they are. They don't they, feel like right. they can say anything right if they go one way, it's wrong. If they go the other way, so they're terrified. Can't choose and a that's side. A problem in and of itself, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, that neutrality is. It, you're right. I mean, it's, it's gone on our world in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there, there, there is no common sense middle ground. Mm-mm. Both sides are right. Truth to truth? be found. It just doesn't exist. Well, and, yeah, and right. you're threatening like that. That's the problem with political correctness, right? Is you have so much to lose. I mean, it's you got the PC police. Like, if you don't pick the right side, you can lose everything. Mm-hmm. Instead of just having open like dialogue and just like Maya Angelou's quote, you know, like yeah. you may not be in the right spot now, but we'll give you some grace for a minute until you learn, and then just do better with it. Exactly. But no if you make one mistake. You know, your business can just be gone. Well, and we're and hearing that a lot it's too. Terrifying. And it's like we actually have developed a workshop because we feel like these conversations are hard to just do on social media. Like you have oh, yeah. to go into history, you need historical context, like to really participate in this conversation. And we recognize this because we've had to do the same for ourselves. Sure. And I also feel like my in-laws have given so much grace and just sharing their family history stories and the effects and all of these things that it's like to have a conversation, you need to go back there. And then... And I think that's something that we don't quite appreciate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think we appreciate that because, I mean, I feel like I can even see even now, I'm like, okay, how do I choose my words? How do I say this the right way? Mm -hmm. But for example, just like slavery, for example, so many people say, well, it's not happening now, so it shouldn't be an issue. It's just not 
true. Right. It is an issue. Yeah. The fact that it happened, like, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm trying to communicate, but we do. We, we dismiss the past mm-hmm. when it doesn't maybe line up with right. something in our world, right? Like, it's funny because a lot of, I'll just use this example. In this area, there's a lot of members of the church, right? Yeah. They talk about the pioneers and all the stuff they have to go through, and they always talk about it. And they they talk about family history and how they're drawn to their ancestors and what they had to go through and what that means to them now. But then as soon as the conversation- That's really interesting. As soon as the conversation turns and you talk about racism and slavery and what has happened, they go, oh, but that's not happening now, so you shouldn't. Like, right. You shouldn't feel <laughs> you should anything be able about to that. Understand like, that? No, that's not okay for you to feel yeah. about that. That's just not right. Alexis and I talk about this exact example all the time because it's kind of proof that what happened before us helps to create who we are, where we are, what Our we identity. do, identity, everything. Totally. Yeah, and it's like you know, even when we're talking about slavery. It, it wasn't just something that happened a really long time ago, right? Like right. W- we're looking at slavery into black codes, into redlining, into the civil rights era, into all of the things Mass that incarceration. are- incarceration. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, then what was that? The civil rights era for Alexis and I was one generation ago. Yeah. You know, and how does that affect us today? Well, it still does. And so we're ignoring not even really It's not even quite a generation ago. No. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, like, to your yeah. point about Alabama and what's going, you know what I mean? That, yeah. That, that's, yeah. So, so it's interesting because we look at like Mormon pioneers and how yeah. we learn and we take from their experiences. There are studies that literally show that black parents parent differently because of the fear that was ignited during those times and how they act and how they react to things is still connected back into times of slavery and all of the things that have subsequently happened. And so to just turn a blind eye to it, it's it's insanity to me. Well, and I think that you'll see, I love, because we've kind of talked about the Bonners, but even what Mally Bonner has done about bringing these stories that are actually pioneer stories yeah. of mm-hmm. what what was going on with the black folks back then. Yeah. And I mean, we have been reading and researching, but even understanding that in the South, when some of these plantation owners and families converted to the church they would bring their enslaved people along with them. And what were their experiences? What were their stories? It's so fascinating and it's so interesting. And I feel like it's hard because people will shut it down, but to us, it's so crucial. And even from like a psychological mental health perspective, if you have trauma or difficult things that happened in your past, the only way to heal and move forward is to acknowledge them, to work through them, to process them. And if we don't do that, I don't see how we can really move forward in this. No. Well, and if Mormons need more reminder, (laughs) go be a Mormon in the South and you'll get like, there's a reason I couldn't wear my missionary stuff or tags or anything because the KKK, like black people are at the top, but Mormons, it's very clear. They're like just underneath, like, they will go after LDS people. Like yeah. it's well, and they they like it's the, wild. Yeah, they they'll play that victim card, mm-hmm. but they won't allow anyone else to admit See, and, and that's, acknowledge right. that it's happening differently, but the same thing. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, and I yeah. think sometimes it helps, which this is funny because, you know, looking at us, we look like black girls, but we have Mormon pioneer stock. We sure do. Right. And so, <laughs> yes, we do. I mean, even our great, great, well, how many greats grandmothers sat on the yeah, prophet Joseph Smith's lap and played with his pocket watch. And no like, way. I mean, that's our white side. That's our family history. Yeah. And so I feel like when we show up in spaces, sometimes that helps people because we can say like, yeah, we can acknowledge this part and we can also acknowledge this part yeah. and this history. This is in our blood. This is our family history. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of, there's so much us versus them right now yep. that in a weird way, we're kind of like that. You're like that bridge yeah. almost between the two sides. It's a huge, I mean, it's a huge advantage. I mean, it's kind of a gift. It's too, a huge responsibility, but it's a huge gift. You know, and the question that has been lingering kind of has to do with what you just said. Like, you know, you mentioned self-care. Like, how do you not, because here, here's something that I think is a, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you see this stuff with your kids, like with what you've experienced, with what you're trying to accomplish, like how do you not, not even one feel like a victim, mm-hmm. and and really take that mantle and, because from what I'm hearing, that'd be really easy to do, like really easy to like fall into. Um, but two, how do you, how do you take care of you? So you don't just get pissed off and just start blowing Ah. up because uh, I don't say that joking. Like it looks like I struck a chord with a Schwarzenegger, (laughs) but it's, it's, but, uh, but honestly, like this is, I I shouldn't even bring it. I I do talk a lot about mental health a lot because I have ADHD and we have a lot of inherent shame like mm-hmm. growing up and talk about holding stuff in, but it doesn't even hold a candle to what people of color have to deal with. Right. And even I sometimes struggle just feeling like, man, I got dealt a crappy hand. Like mm-hmm. it's really easy to kind of fall into that. How, how do you do that? I want to hear your answer. Me. Well, first, yeah. your first part of the question I've never really felt like a victim ever in this. And I think it's because to me that feels like I'm giving the upper hand. I I like to feel in control all the time. And so to me, it feels more like a responsibility and a pressure on my shoulders to make sure that everyone can see why I'm not a victim, if that makes sense. Um, But with that responsibility, holy cow, I feel like Alexis and I are battling this how do we balance and how do we take care of ourselves? Because we are yeah. raging all the time and we're calling each other, screaming about this and that. And and your moms and yeah, wives. We are. And that mama tiger comes out. Especially and, when we're protecting our kids. Yeah. It's even it's a whole different level. I can't even imagine it. Because last week, Brody, I picked him up from school and he was just crying. I was like, what happened? He was like, dude, I've been bullied, dad. I was what? like, I was like, hold up, what? Like Hold on, come like this was my first experience with this, right? I was like, tell me what happened. And so we kind of walked through the situation and it was really innocent. He had a substitute teacher, his name is Brody, and the substitute teacher read the name Body. He forgot the R as he's reading the name. Yeah. And a couple of his good friends, Body, ha, Body. And super innocent, just having fun. But like it it hit him so deep. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, hold on. Like, and 
I was like, okay, I'm calling the principal. I'm <laughs> yes. calling the dad. I'm about to show up on the schoolyard because I know these kids. I'm about yep. to put your face in the water. I'm like, okay, what's up? Say, say that again. Say it again. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it's like. Nice body. <laughs> you know, but it's like, it's immediate. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, I had to take a breath. And, and so we talked through what to do. I mean, and it's, it doesn't compare, but it at least. Like it like gave me a yeah. glimpse into what that would feel like. You're usually so calm. I just like hearing that you reacted that way. <laughs> I didn't react that this way. Is exci- oh, I you kept wanted it in. To, okay. Yeah, but, my, but, inside, but, but, I, but my first reaction was that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I mean, for you sure. and your damn self-control. <laughs> well, I like a couple things that you said. I think are were really important because. Sometimes people will dismiss bullying, dismiss racial bullying because impact and intent. Like just because the kids weren't meaning anything yeah. doesn't mean it didn't impact your child. Right. And it right. didn't really affect him yeah. and how he felt. And so I feel like when we hear some of these situations, having that sensitivity and I mean, I feel like Shantana are always like, we want kids to have a learning opportunity. We don't want to guilt or shame, but we just want to teach them so they can show up differently. And if we don't talk about it or acknowledge it, then it could continue to happen. And I truly believe with a lot of the situations I've seen, first of all, I don't think some of the parents could even imagine their kids saying some totally. of these things. And second of all, I think that when we handle it with just education, talking like it just it can be so much better in the long run and it's hard because i feel like especially being on instagram i mean sometimes our dms are not healthy like it's just not it's not good for us yeah um and then also the more that we are kind of people are aware of us in the community then it's like we need let's talk sis to help yeah look at this situation we've tried everything we can let's bring them in let's see if they can help and when it comes to kids and young people I mean, our bleeding mommy hearts are like there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do whatever we need to. But it's like, it's impossible. We don't have the mental, emotional bandwidth. We have our own family. So I feel like the hardest part is knowing like what we can't do and knowing our limits and protecting that. And I wish I could answer and tell you like, this is how we preserve our mental health and this is what we're doing. But 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 I was figuring it out. Add to it that we do have a community of of people who are working this with us, alongside us. And I feel like that takes a lot of it off. And we can call people, be like, we're struggling with this. And we can refocus on our purpose as opposed to our you know, current emotions, because that's really our goal is to improve things. And if we just sit in all of those negative emotions, we don't move forward. But it's a journey. We, we're still figuring. It is. And learning. our community has been key. That's for sure. Yeah. Like even today, we've been on the phone with people with different situations and knowing that we're not alone in this. And we have to help support each other. And sometimes one person leads out and some of us have to rest and then someone else. We rotate. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So. so But still, that's so hard. Like, well, because being a mom, we say this all the time, hardest job in the world. Uh Thank you. But yes, you're, but you have to be a mom and deal with your kids are dealing with things that other kids don't deal with. Right. And so. That makes it harder, but you're also wives. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to have relationships with our spouses, right? And yeah. I mean, it's a big responsibility doing what you guys. Are, I mean, it's a big responsibility. Not to mention knowing how to like check the emotion from, you know, right. what you're doing out in public at the door, so you can just be 
yeah. at home and well, be present, right? It would be a it's giant a lot. lie to Luckily tell you women. we have it figured out. If you were men, <laughs> yeah, if, if, if we you were not. men, you couldn't do what you're doing. <laughs> Seriously. That's the truth. It, it's yeah. totally the truth. Like, it, it, like I always say, like, there, it's amazing how you guys can just put something away and move to the next thing and do it again and do it again. Like, with us, it's like if the box is out, we have to deal with that box. <laughs> we can't put it away until it's dealt with. Like all the emotions are dealt with. Like yeah, and, and that's why we've well, both learned that women has... are better than us in almost every way. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's a lot, and that's uh, as your friend now. Hopefully, yes, right, yes. That's what I would worry about. It's just yeah. making sure you are okay. Yeah, because well, like, this is an uphill battle. It is. Well, it is, and honestly, if you think about it. It's probably not going away, but we yeah. can't well, think like that either. We have to do all that we can. There's urgency in this. We can improve it. Yeah. We can improve it. And it's sometimes the whole, it's, it's the hard starfish to recognize thing, right? that. The yep, kid yeah. throwing the yes. starfish in the water. Made a difference to that one. Right? The old yeah. man yeah. walks by and says, you're never going to save all these kids. He's like, nope, but I made a difference for that one. Yep. Right? Yeah. And that's what you got to do. You got to just- it's that mentality. You that do. one person, you might help. Right. Well, yeah. and I believe in the ripple effect too. Totally. I really uh-huh. do. And it's like, I think our husbands, generations with one person, it really does. And I feel like they worry about us husband, and they also yeah. have to hear a lot because when we get fired up, <laughs> like that's who we go to, you know, yeah. even my husband's out of town right now and I've called him several times. I'm like, and I have to talk it through and then I can calm down and then I can show up. Sure. And we have to, there's times we'll go silent on Instagram. Like we know there's a stinking algorithm that you have to (laughs) play into, but we have to go silent because we know that we are trying to show up a certain way. And if we can't, we have to take a step back. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see you guys mad. Oh, this may, I hopefully don't get in trouble for this question. We don't get scared (laughs) to ask questions, but black mom mad is way cooler than white mom mad. (laughs) Well, and I, actually, I want to touch upon this though. Like I, like I have some very close friends, and when they get mad at my friends, I love it. It's <laughs> well, just they will whoop their ass. It is the best. Well, anyway. and it's it's hard though too because there's also that stereotype. I know that it's like we feel like we have to navigate a lot. Because see, that sucks. Yeah, we are. If we get too mad, then we're, we're the angry, angry black, black women. women. Oh, but see, I don't. And I then just we're look the victims. Like more personality. And I know these. It's not like more angry. Yeah. it's just like it's, it's true. More though. Real. But I get that, and that's why. But see, I hope you guys. I wanted to feel like we can ask those questions. Totally, you know what I mean? Like totally. I don't, like we're so scared to even say something like that, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and that's kind of what, like that's what's so good about what you two are doing is if I feel safe enough to say that, hopefully everybody else does too. You know what I mean? Because that's guess. real. And now I understand a different side of it. Like I would have never thought like you do have to balance that, right? Uh huh. Right, like because if me, it's we're a funny in that question. label, we can't be as effective because now people perceive us as a certain way. Yeah, and so it's tricky. Like that we're navigating sucks. a lot. Like, yeah, but we don't we want to have be the a show. We just can't based be the on our anger. People. I think it's pretty entertaining. Like I'll hand <laughs> you that. We get going, and <laughs> well, and sometimes we amp each other up, and sometimes like one is like this, and I'm like, yeah. it's okay. The other day she had to do that for me. I was heated. Yeah, and then the bad words start flying and you guys we we grew up like our mom never swore in front of us right. so we did not grow up learning bad words and now we're in here and we're like swearing like sailor oh my goodness <laughs> do you care if i ask what it was like just or in a roundabout way what it was because that's you? yeah yeah like that uh, i is that okay i mean yeah and it's i think a stem of things it's been a hard couple weeks right 
And I feel like we're feeling like there's a lot of kids that need us to advocate. And um, is it because what happened with Izzy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was one of that was one, one of, the of them. But there's always so much more, and there's more behind it, and there's more stories. And because we usually go in pretty deep, like we're pretty good about our research. And so if something's happening, we're usually talking to the people right in it. But we we're careful. We don't exploit that. We don't share. We can't share everything on Instagram. And sometimes there's a lot of judgment that comes our way and we have to deal with it because we're protecting real people. Sure. And I feel like there's a lot of situations too where that's so what heavy you, on sorry, your Sorry, but what you mean by that is you could drop more information to prove your point. Yeah, right. And we choose but not you to. you can't. That's very yeah. interesting. And we choose. Okay. And, we, and this is in so many situations that we've been in. And it's hard because we feel like we're protecting a community that sometimes gets a really bad rap. And we have to think about things that sometimes you don't have to think about in other situations. It's almost like you're looking out for them, but you don't feel like they're looking out for you. Well, I feel like if we're talking specifically of the black community in Utah, I do feel like they're looking out for us. And I do feel like... Who's they? Sorry. So if we're talking about like, like who's looking out we're for protecting you. some of the black community and we also feel like they are looking out for us. Okay. I got Sorry. I, got I, I understood that you might have like something might have happened and you know information that could hurt someone not black and you're choosing not to share that, but you don't feel like you get the same treatment back. It's, it's I more, it's kind of both things. Yes. Yeah. For, for me, at least for my perspective is something will happen to a black child or youth and we have to protect them and their families. And our, a lot of times, I don't, I don't want to say like white community, but a lot of our followers, say it, it's fine. Get, they get angry because they're like, well, it could be this, it could be oversensitive. And we don't feel like we can be like, let's lay it out on the table for you to criticize. We have to protect these kids, but we're on the front lines of it and we get all of this coming at us and it really does trigger some rage and anger because it's like these are children we're talking about like are you trying to criminalize them you know and so is that well, sort of and, what you're saying and we're, we're the buffer what you we know. have to be yeah. the buffer and yeah, that's a hard right position to be in so i'm feeling all of this and mm. then it's like i start worrying about my kids and their mental health yeah and then the kids that we go out and we speak to and we connect with and then our dms are full of parents that are pleading with us to help so you feel this weight and then little things come up throughout our week where i feel like we're called in to do a job and then someone's questioning us because they don't want it to be too heavy in race and i'm like well, that's what we talk about. Yeah. So then I don't have patience in that situation where I'm like, here we're being scripted on what we can and can't say. If you follow us, you know that we try to lead out with love and light and empathy and grace. Well, so then I'm are. like, it's maybe obvious. we're not the people for you. And sometimes I have the patience to have that conversation. But like yesterday, I didn't. Yeah, she was just like, <laughs> and she that's had okay. had it. Yeah, yeah, she had had it. But, you know. So it's just, there's so much behind the scenes that we do that we can't share and we are a buffer. And sometimes that's hard because I know people don't know that and I don't expect them to automatically know that. But sometimes that position is just a hard position to be in. But ultimately what she's saying is when white people hire us to speak to their community, but then they want to filter us and write scripts and buffer it to protect people from feeling uncomfortable. And here we are in the trenches of... (laughs) horrible things happening it 
it triggers us. Sure. We get pretty heated really fast with that yeah. stuff. Like, well, and if I you want to hear it, hear it. If you don't, then move your yeah, move why on. Why you even call? Right. I exactly. Know. Exactly. Well, yeah. and it, it's hard too because it's like. I feel like we do a really good job of meeting people where they are. And I don't want you to feel bad about yourself, your family history, anything like that. But some of these conversations, like we literally have to go in and I swear we have to diffuse a room. We have to become friends first and then we layer it. You know, it's one step, then another step. And so, and and it it is, it it really is. But there's times too, where I'm like, why'd you even call us then? Like, First of all, we go through all this work to do it this way. And now I feel like you're worried or you can't say this or can't do that. And I feel like even how we speak in general, we don't use these hot topic trigger words. We don't. We try to use different words to have a similar understanding. We have to create different definitions sometimes because someone might define it this way. Someone might define it this way. If we have different definitions, we can't have a conversation. So we have to figure out, okay, when I'm saying this, this is what I'm referring to. So you don't think it's something else. Right. right. And then maybe we can have a conversation. Yeah. Like the word privilege. If you ever use like that is one of those trigger words. It is. I do hate that. So the only time I use it. I'll be honest. I hate that word, but it's, not because I think I hate it because other white people like yell at other white people with that word. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ever like my black friends uh, ever say like you got white privilege. It's other white people. Right. It's say like it. ammunition. Yeah. yeah. They use it really harshly. Well, you can weaponize these words. Well, that, and that's, totally that's, that's, that's why not does. using those words is yeah. so important we for doing what it. you like, do because that's about... it's the media. Like it is they have weaponized yeah. words. And, and it doesn't bring us together. No. Like we talk about access. What do you have access to? that someone else may not. We right. don't need to use the word privilege. Yeah. Well, Does and I know, us? Yeah. you know, like, oh, you are, I know they deal with the same thing. Like they have, to, it's such a hard topic that people don't even want to hear it. They, they don't want to hear the realities of child trafficking. So like when they make the documentary and when they do fundraisers, like they're so overly careful about scaring people away. Cause they just want to like go back to their little no problem house yeah. and just, feel like everything the whole world is great but it's like uh uh-uh. like how many there are kids in our airport every day in salt lake that are being trafficked it's yeah. right here and it's just like we have to be able to talk about it or nothing changes nothing changes yeah but it does suck that you guys have to oh man like what a pain i hope you charge more because of that crap <laughs> It's like, keep it real, people. But I, I, for whatever it's worth, thank you. Yeah. It means a lot that you guys are doing what you're doing. And that you care enough that those of us with white privilege, I'll say the word. <laughs> like, where we don't have to worry like your host worries, like you guys worry about walking down the street, that you're giving us any grace at all. Because if I were in your shoes, I'd be like, bitch, like, kiss my ass. Like, if you don't like hearing it, peace out like man up it 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 sucks but you're making a difference and i sure appreciate it well thank you thank you that does mean a lot man so i love these conversations but i want to like turn it to action a little bit like Mm -hmm. types of things that we can do right like i remember with yahosh he was like, when was the last time you bought a dark-skinned Barbie for your kids? I was like, yeah, so cool. I never even thought about it's that. So, much so now every advice. doll we've ever purchased 
has been dark skin and our daughters love them, mm-hmm. right? It's not any different. So it's like trying to like ignorantly step into the conversation and into this place and help and it's normalizing diversity. You know, like you, you know, said exactly. that earlier, normalizing right? Difference. Do what we can. So as you are talking, what types of things can we do, right? Because ultimately to make the change, it's got to come from this side of the table. And I'm pointing to Cam and I, right? You guys can talk about it all you want, but you're living it. You're in it every day. Cam and I get to choose if we're involved in this conversation. Mm-hmm. We get to choose if we want to do anything right. And yeah. so, I th- and I think a lot of the change will happen when this side of the table starts to talk about it more and open up and act on things. And so what types of things can be done or do you suggest when you go and talk for parents and kids, right? This could be a whole other episode, but <laughs> we'll keep it we'll short. We'll try to condense We're passionate it. about this yes. topic. So there's kind of two places we like to start. And first of all, we want to get people curious about history and learning it from different perspectives. And thankfully, we live in a day and age where there are movies, documentaries, books, podcasts. And I know sometimes, depending on your background, people are a little worried if it might be leaning to a certain political side. But we really encourage people to look into so many perspectives and to think about it and to talk about it. Like we want critical thinking discussions. We want you to put yourself in those places, positions. And I feel like it can be really exciting if you do this with your spouse, if you as friends are like, hey, we're listening to this book or we're reading it and I didn't know this and this is fascinating. And so I feel like when we are anxiously curious about these things that we may not know, it creates so many opportunities for conversation. And I then love that. anxiously curious. Yeah. I really like that. And it, it's really exciting. Like when you dive into it all the time, you're like, did you know this? I know. Why didn't we learn about this too? So much that yeah. we never knew. <laughs> and so there's so many cool parts. And I feel like at least what I really try to help my kids see too is that you know, you've heard people say, look for the helpers. But even throughout history, like I went back and I was like, who were the first white abolitionists that started speaking out against slavery? Who were they? What are their names? Because that was not a popular belief at that time. Who were the families that helped people escape? Like, I want to hear some of those stories because I feel like when we can see us working together, I hope it makes you guys more invested to learn and continue to be a part of it. The next thing that we jump into, which I'll let Shantae go into. I hope I can read your mind here. Starts with a B. <laughs> <laughs> you got it? Bias. Yes. Is that where we're going? That's where we're going. Awesome. <laughs> so, so really, before we have these conversations with our kids, we kind of have to have these conversations with ourselves, right? And everyone's biased. If you breathe air, you have biased thoughts and beliefs. It's just how it is. Right. And really, it has its purpose as a protection, sure. you know, that we we filter through information, but it's... It can be very harmful, especially when we have these thoughts and beliefs about certain groups of people, and we pass these things on to our kids. Like, we just do. So Alexis and I like to try and say, do little things to try and become more aware of your bias. Notice the element of surprise. And this happens to us all the time where people will be, like, shocked or surprised about things like, Oh, you know, you're you didn't go to BYU for athletics? Wow, that's crazy. What what is their bias? <laughs> you, you got in on an academics? What was she? <laughs> right. Because we think and believe something and we try and apply it to everyone. You know what I mean? And that's 
Well, it doesn't help that you're both tall. Either. Right. I know. So, I know. Come on. Well, and it doesn't always have to be a negative thing, too. Yeah. Right. It's just stopping you can't just us jump in with yeah. from knowing like, people better. Yes. That's really and that's what, what we doing. say. It's a block from human connection. So if I put you in a box and I think I know you before I know you, right. that's blocking me from really ever knowing you. Right. And We're, I feel like that's so important as we try to connect as humans, learn each other's stories, that when we put up those blocks then it keeps us from that. And so when we have a bias about someone because of gender or socioeconomic status or race, or I even feel like, you know, we've sat and listened to white males say, I feel like people perceive me as this nowadays. Yeah. And yeah. so that's keeping us from getting to know each other. And, and that's so key. Like yeah. the communication piece, right? Like mm -hmm. you're never going to know someone unless you talk to that person. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. How do we connect? Like, we all have a story. Yeah. Right. This world, it's that's my most frustrating thing in the world is like, you can say it about anything, but it's like, have you talked to that person? Right. Right? Like, and are it, you talking about every week when a podcast guest comes on? Yeah. You have to deal with me. <laughs> it's like, ugh. You have to talk to this guy. But like, it's something, he's such a, he's probably such a douche. And then 10 minutes, I'm like, you're my new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like it's I'm so bad at that. I but, totally do but that. Everyone does. Yeah. Everyone right? does. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Just, I just admit it. But like that was something that Tim said that has stuck with me. It's like I want to ask them why they feel that way. I was like, Yeah. Fair. You know, like if you believe spiritually, if you believe politically, if you believe anything differently than me, as opposed to me just judging saying, Oh, it's because you're probably like that. Yeah. Like, well, why don't I just ask? You probably put in some thought into how you how you've come to that place. Mm. You know, How boring would the world be if there wasn't any differences, you know? But like, why not Amen. appreciate yeah. them, but learn from the person? Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. right. Like you have that conversation, you know, but it's like- Well, and when like, are like, you like, close like, enough to even have that conversation? Right. Because like, yeah. you've probably not had that conversation with Brandon and you know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's my well, buddy. It's our niece. But see, I- yeah. It's our niece. I would have never known that yeah. she'd been going through right. racist events on a daily because yeah. she's never brought it up. It's never from the outside impacted her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, until we had the conversation here, I was just like, oh. But well, see, crap. I I take it for granted. I, I grew up in LA. Like, I I take that for granted. Like, mm -hmm. it. I have never had to deal with, like, if I see a black person, a, a Mexican, or what. Right. Like, my school was like, it was like equal parts Asian, Mexican, white. Not as much black, but there were but like it was still a super diverse school. Yeah. And then I moved to Heber in like '94. And you're oh, like, wow. What? And I'm like, I mean, I stuck out like a sore thumb just because I was like a white surfer kid. Everyone else was wearing Wranglers, but but like that's the hard part, right? Is you, you know, Tim said something about. Do you remember he said something like, "Inaction is racism" or something like that. It was a hard comment for me to hear. It was a little combative, but it's true. Like it wasn't. He wasn't saying it to be combative, but you took it that way. Well, whatever. Andrew. <laughs> I like this. Whatever. Good. Good. Well, but they were very it's different like approaches. Tim sure. was a little that, more. Yeah. Tim was a little more aggressive in his speech. Sure. The host is more like you guys, mm -hmm. and and it is true. Like you mentioned something about like white males. Like yeah, like with the Me Too movement, with a lot of things going on, there are what we're doing is we're just making everybody a victim and everybody like go to their corner and not work anything out. Yeah. Right. And that's the problem with words like white privilege, right? Cause it's, 
it makes people get defensive, close, wall up, well, there's and not two listen. Very different definitions. Totally so right. So if right. you have one definition and someone else has another, then that's really hard to communicate, and you yeah. will feel those different feelings. To your right. Point, sure. It's a Separate language us. thing. It's yeah. Crazy. yeah. Language it, is. Barrier. It, yep. it absolutely language is. Barrier. Like, that's why we talk about marketing, right? It's, yeah. It's a poor word to use when we're talking about these types of issues, but in reality, it's... The concept is there. Yeah. Who, who said it? Language matters. Um, Stephanie, words matter. No, it was... They have the clothing... I want to say clothing company, big husband, wife. They have black kids. They Courtney? Have, uh, yes. Courtney Brown. Courtney Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It was. It was... She said words matter. Yeah. And... That really stuck with me, and and that's true, not just from a communication standpoint, but from so true, like what's what you guys are talking about, the yeah. way that you have to kind of yeah soften you know your approach so people will listen. But it's it's hard because when you grow up here, you know I remember my kid saying maybe it was Cohen. I can't wait for him to hear this when he's older, but he said something like that guy looks like an Oreo, just innocent. He's three yeah. years old, yeah, but it's like. It's so rare for him to see a black dude. Well, that's the thing. And that kind of sucks. Kids say things because, especially in Utah, they, they're not seen it all no. the time. Diversity is really, you know, few and far. And we kind of panic when we hear our kids say things, but it's like, that's totally normal. And no. it's a great conversation opener. Is, you know, the guy and turned around and yeah. was so, like, he laughed and he just, he was so sweet about it. Like, my poor wife was just. She was terrified. Totally horrified. Like, yeah. No black dudes ever to get mad at a three year old call him an Oreo. Like, yeah. but, but what a great, because she, we've talked about it a hundred times. Yeah. Since, that, and that's, that's proof that kids are noticing yeah. kids notice difference. Yeah. Sure. We don't talk about it. It's kind of like if we never talk to our kids about sex, like, they're going to figure stuff out and it's probably not going to be in the healthiest way. So if we never talk <laughs> up to our kids about, you know, diversity and race, they're taking in information totally. constantly and creating their own things. And if we're silent, we're making it seem taboo. We're making it seem and we bad don't and wrong. Want that. Yeah, That's yeah. what we're like. Let the kids ask the questions, like create the conversation yeah. as adults. Don't panic. And that's what we hear from probably people our generation is saying, whenever this came up at home, my parents shut it down. Right. They wouldn't let us talk about it. They seemed uncomfortable and they just tucked it away. And so then you start making these just kind of like conclusions. And there's a lot of research yeah. to back this up too, that sometimes it's not that you're teaching your child these things. It's that you're not talking about it. And they're making these connections based on the world that they're seeing. And in Utah, they're not growing up for in sure. diverse situations. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. And so that? it's like, we've got to just get to the root of so many of their questions before they even get there. Like, you can start at three or four talking about melanin and skin color. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they're going to notice there's a difference. So like my little boy just ate this up, like learning the places that are closer to the equator, they needed more protection from the sun. It's called melanin. And like he learned about his grandpa being from Jamaica. And then his other grandpa comes from Switzerland and they're as light as anything. You know what I mean? And it like clicks and all of a sudden it has this purpose behind it. And they just see everyone Almost as they see the diversity of nature, you know, it just, yeah. it's beautiful. It has a purpose. I don't need to, you know, well, worry about it. Most white people are trying to be more <laughs> like you in the tanning bed, right? <laughs> so but, you know, we just simplify don't these hate. things for our kids. Yeah. But yeah. it's funny you bring up like sex education, right? We talked about Kristen Hodson before the podcast. Yeah. And she talks about how like sex education is not teaching your kids about sex. It's about 
at their three years old, teaching them the name of a body part yes. and normalizing the name of the body part because then it doesn't become taboo and it doesn't get tucked under the rug. Yes, it's so the, true. That's funny. I've never, I hadn't made that correlation, but yeah, it's it's the exact same thing, right? Like you just have to have, and I think that's that's the hard thing is it just takes a little bit of effort. Yeah. It takes the conversation of yeah. having the conversation as opposed to just saying, oh, they'll figure it out. Right. But we can shrink it down to like, I'm going to drop a quote. I never quote. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is hanging in my house. Ready for this. Thanks to my wife, of course. Mother Teresa, if you want to change the world, start inside your own home. Yep. Yes, we love and that. And that's like, yep. uh, I mean, you talk about ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to freak out about this. Like just start, like lift where you stand. Like just start at home. Yeah. Like start yeah. with the, the skin color discussions with different color Barbies. Like just... We can create diversity in our own house. Luckily, a lot of the shows and stuff we watch, they're kind of doing that for us, which yeah. is also really, really good. You don't ever really see TV shows anymore that just have a bunch of like Mickey Mouse Club white kids running around, right? There's everything, yeah. which, so I've never understood why we don't have more diversity in Utah. I mean, maybe it is the LDS thing. Like we just don't have, I don't know. You do know, you guys have any opinion I on do. that? I do. What is it? I'm really curious to hear this. So it sounds like it's a juicy opinion. It is. The face it is. Made. And I feel like, you know, I can't speak for the past. I mean, yeah. obviously, we know the history of this state and the Mormon pioneers and why they came here. And I think that that was a big part of it. But you also have to look into the church's history and some of the things surrounding black people, too. And then I think with the location of where we are in the West, like we're not near the ocean or the water, and sometimes there's more diverse jobs for that. But I feel like what I'm hearing now currently with my black friends is it's not a safe place to raise your kids. Interesting. And it's hurting companies. We've had we've been in the national news and tech companies suffer when they cannot recruit diversity. Diversity, there was even a Harvard study, it brings in money, diversity of thought, ideas, backgrounds, especially like innovation, all of that. Better food, and better culture, better everything. Like, I go it, to New Orleans a lot. Yeah. I love it. Like, it just, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe it's I the weather. Too. Yeah. But it's just like, there's very few. You know, you, I spent a lot of time in Chicago. Like, black people were live where black people live. White, like, Polish people live where Polish people. Like, it was yeah. so segregated. But New Orleans, it's like, there are definitely some, like, tough spots, right? Where there's no white people living, of course. But for the most part, like, everybody really meshes. Mm -hmm. Like, you go to the Superdome on a Sunday for a Saints game, and it is just... It's the best. Yeah. Like there's yeah. just every race, every culture, every food. Everyone is so cool to each other. And it just, man, it makes me like, I struggle with here a little bit. And I struggle with my kids growing up here. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I want them to have that. Yeah. Yeah. But just to echo what Alexis is saying, it's Utah has a really strong established culture. Yeah. Based on religion, based on, you know, the history of the state. And how do in specific, black people fit into that culture. It's been hard. Yeah. And when she says it's not safe for our black and brown children, it's that they don't, that that need of belonging, they're not getting that as strong here because we do sort of like this cycle. We lack diversity, but yet we can't get it because we're not creating that safe environment and it just 
it perpetuates one perpetuates the other. Yeah. Well, and I love like that you egg, have right? grown yeah, up in yeah. places where you see the benefit of diversity. Totally. Right. Not everyone has though. No. Right. Some people think it's going to bring down the property value. It's going to bring in more crime. Like, you know, there's fears that people have, or I won't know my neighbors or trust them or, you know, things like that. And trying to hold space from that perspective is I think it's sometimes lack of experience or maybe having a negative experience that then you apply to all experiences. But there are, there's more diversity coming. I do yeah. believe yeah, a lot there of is. big companies We're here. We're improving. But what I've seen in the last probably two years is people come and then leave. And really? that's what's mm -hmm. really hard. That's mm -hmm. tough. Oh, okay. That's really yeah. sad. Well, do you know what else is funny? It's like black culture, like all the music our yeah. kids listen to, like trends. Yeah. It's so funny that it's such a struggle yet. Everything yeah. about black culture is what is pop culture. I mean, it's, it it's is. what it's drives fashion. Everything. what drives music. Yeah. It, it, it's and it really, such a weird. Well, and I think sometimes people think like with good intentions, like, well, look at what's popular. Black people are doing fine. Look at the athletes. Look at all this. Oh, you yeah. know? Right, no, no, right. No. But it's like, no, we have to go a little deeper than that. But yes, there is a cool cultural influence. And if it really stems back, and that's what's so stems back to like history. blackface and, you know, taking that culture for, you know, gain and entertainment. Well, it's really interesting. And we're talking about like 0.1% of 1% that, you know, because you're right, like a lot of people that grow up, a lot of these black kids that grow up like in the South, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like they really do think like I've got drugs, rap. Or sports. Or sports. Yeah. That's my only way. Those are out. my outs. Mm -hmm. And the chances, uh, I mean, there's a reason why so many of them go to gangs and drugs. Because, yeah. right. I mean, becoming a pro athlete, making any money in music or athletics is mm -hmm. like fat chance. You know what I mean? And so, like, that has to change. It does. Yeah. It well, really it's, does. It's interesting to hear that. So, Silicon Slopes was a couple of weeks ago. I was up there, and Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade were up there talking. Mm, yeah. And Dwayne was talking about. So the question was asked, like, as a player, like, how do you view Utah? Like, why did you choose Utah, right? Like, why not New York or Miami? Yeah. Because he was, he had opportunities to have ownership in different franchises. And he talked about, like, when, as a player, he's like, this is, he's like, here's our experience in Utah. He said, it's not that we didn't feel, this is what he said. He's like, it's not that I didn't feel safe, but I didn't feel welcome. Right. He's yeah. like, so I'd come to the airport, I'd go to the hotel, and I'd go to the arena. We never went out to eat as a team. We would never go into the city. Jeez. He's like, but this is every, he's like, this was every NBA team. So this is all of the NBA players experience with Utah is the inside of the arena, the inside of the hotel and the mm -hmm. airport. He's like, that's the extent of what I knew Utah. And so what he was saying, it brought me a bunch of hope. I'm less hopeful now after hearing you talk. <laughs> no, don't, but, don't but no, but he was like, he's like the Utah I know now is not the Utah that, is not the perception, yeah. right? He's like, Ryan has taken me out and we've experienced, you know, the people and we've experienced some of the culture and we've experienced the outdoors. And he's like, I love this place. But then something else that Ryan said that really stood out was, he's like, he's like, D, like, you're not going to have any impact on Miami. Mm -hmm. He's like, D, you're not going to change yeah. New York. He's like, you can change true. Utah. Yeah, true. That's so and true. And like, that was like so impactful to me. And but it's cool too to see like Ryan taking lead yeah. in mm -hmm. this, right? Like yeah. and it's been sad to see like the scholarship thing. You know, they gave scholarships to kids and he got so much crap mm -hmm. because he didn't give a scholarship to a white kid. 
And it's just like, for real? That's where like, the equity stuff comes yeah. in. Right? Yeah. Like, 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 that's, like that's where we're going conversation. with this? Like, yeah, the, that's, exactly. Give me a that's break. That's your issue? Yeah. But anyways, I love that we have people who are at least having conversations and are taking leads and anyways, that, that was a really cool thing for yeah. that. That was like my favorite thing from Silicon Slopes was hearing. Now I'm a jazz nerd to the max. So, I mean, that's all. <laughs> oh, whole, so you're racist. Whole yeah. separate thing, <laughs> you know, but like, it was really cool to hear those guys talk about why they're doing what it is. And like, even Ryan said, he's like, he, they, they feel this huge responsibility to represent and change. Like, and they have an opportunity to change Utah. I even said like, we're the only team that wears their state on our chest mm-hmm. he's like every team it's the wow, city that's cool yeah he's like utah yeah. is the only team that it's the utah jazz not the salt lake city jazz he's yeah. like we represent the state and he like you can tell that he feels that weight yeah and it's really cool well and i feel like they both have had big impact massive and it's it's nice to know especially when we're like the little people down here <laughs> that and you feel like you're working so hard trying but to see that represented on higher levels too yeah and i feel like you know donovan mitchell he's Donovan's really stepped into a lot of situations right. but he didn't have to correct and I hope he stays. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. and I do too. Because he's going to change. He, yeah. Well, yeah. Like and the it, ability to impact a yep, whole it area. But yeah, see, that's where you also see how real the problem is. Correct. Because you look at the replies to his tweets. I know. It's, Isn't it's it just, sick. We, it's sick. It's we don't crazy. read comments anymore. Yeah, it's it, harmful. Yeah, <laughs> we just no. can't. I don't read yeah. Yelp, and I just have a restaurant. I don't deal with like, being exactly. black. Like, yeah, you just, I can't even read freaking Yelp. You got to like, just keep going forward. Yeah. What it would be like. But but again, that's self-care, right? Like you got to know. It is. Limit. It is. I just, this might open up a whole other can of worms. So we can take this to episode two. But <laughs> are you guys LDS? Yes. We are. We are. How do you balance that? Because, you know, our history is really <laughs> interesting because, you know, it's pretty well documented that Joseph Smith talked out against slavery. Mm-hmm. But then we kind of. Went the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> Quick and U-turn there. It's it's hard. You know, I, I my uncle is one of the main directors for all the LDS motion pictures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to have him on the podcast. And we talked this morning. And he told me some stories that were hard to hear about some pretty, like, high ups in the church. And I'm like, how do you keep a testimony when you know, like, some of these people that we revere are total pain in the necks to deal with. Yeah. And not very nice people. And, you know, he even said, he's like, I'm not going to be working for the church much longer because mm. if I do, it might take a toll that's too big to come back from. And so I just want to be kind of a rank and file member again. And I just can't help but think, like, how do you how do you balance that, the past, and not let it affect where you are in the present? I think my wish is that there it was more open. There's so much that I feel like may, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but that's swept under a rug For sure. and we're left to just know bits and pieces. And I believe that he, humans by nature are complex characters and we yeah. can look at really great people in history, even like Martin Luther King Jr. Or we look at people like Thomas Jefferson that people revere so much and they have a really complex 
complexity about who they were and their morals and all of these different things and the things they did. You can love the ladies and still be a good person is what you're saying. (laughs) I'm just saying that like, I legitimately wish that we could just be open about the history of the church and let us understand without shame and judgment and blame. These men did some really awful things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that we can still focus. And that's okay to say. On Christ. We can still focus on Christ and know that there were a lot of screwy problems happening as the church was building and growing. And I think that would be healthy. I think it's okay to say it about it now. Yeah. I think it's okay to say, I don't like this about it. And it's okay. Yeah. And just acknowledging those things I think is beneficial and it's a journey. It's it's well, hard. It's, it's hard sometimes because, of course, everyone wants us to do church stuff, mm-hmm. and we haven't wanted to. What and do you mean by church stuff? Like, like they want us to talk about the priesthood ban. I mean, blacks yeah, in the priesthood up, and all these things. Fireside. Let's like do we this. only Let's have the priesthood to make us feel like sort of cool like women. <laughs> sort of. Like you guys have all the power. We just have a title. Let's be honest. But no. But no. It's it like I wouldn't do that. Like that's. Well, we don't want to touch it because we don't feel like. That the church has done enough to really create right. resources and tools that we can have the conversation Not without it just being yeah. opinion, you yeah. know. Yeah, and and it's tricky because we really hold space and honor all that we know that have left, and we 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 listen. We don't judge, and the fact that we've chosen to stay doesn't mean that everything is sunshine and lollipops, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's reason enough that we feel like we should and that's a whole other space that i feel like there's a demand for us to speak in and show up in and sometimes we have to be choosy on what we can do and it gets tricky just like it's really helped me learning about a lot of the black mormon pioneers um because just as you know our church gains so much pride and momentum from learning about their family history, for me, it changed my world, really understanding Jane Manning's story and learning all these people's stories and their faith and the level of faith they had when they didn't have like the blessings of the priesthood and things like that in their life. And for me, it's been like, okay, we have problems. There are a lot of cultural issues within our church. There, We have issues, but can I focus and make this a Christ-centered religion for me? You know, and and so it's been it's been a process, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, and you know, the world changes. Yeah. You know, we, uh, you have to give people the grace for where they are in the world, right? We look back at like Mountain Meadows Massacre, for mm-hmm. example. Like that's a tough one, but you've got all these people that have been hunted and killed for yeah years, and so it's like now we're in the safe place, and there's people coming through, like. It's not justified, but you have to at least be able to have that discussion. Like we don't know it. You can't compare something that happened then to something that's happening right now. Like Mm -hmm. you have to give them grace for where they are, but why can't we talk about it? Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Open this up. Because this is my opinion. We can't talk about it because we're it's all or nothing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> we right. can't say we can't give them grace and be like, okay, I understand, but that was wrong. Right. Like those two things like don't go hand in hand in our world today. Like yeah. we don't well, you allow can't speak truth. You have to make sh- like you have to say what's right publicly, mm-hmm. right? Even though like what we need to have is why can't we have the conversations that we can have privately, publicly? 
and not be worried and about part of it. Because I got to go back to this because both things are true, and we have a hard true. time with that. True, yeah. we have a hard time that agreeing they that they both things are true. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Right. We can take both things. You're right. That is so hard for us, especially in today's world. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. like what I want to teach my kids is I want my kids to be able to see people as for their strengths, their weaknesses, the good, the bad. The flaws. I mean, the, some of the greatest leaders, there's a dark side. For sure. And and I feel like I want to be able to learn and talk about both of those right. and the good they did and maybe the harm that was done too. And I feel like right now, like kind of like what you guys were saying, like we know what we know, but like what would we have thought a hundred years ago, because we're all influenced by the culture, by who we're around, right. our family's beliefs. Like, so sometimes I feel like that's really humbling to think about that and think like, mm-hmm. you know, what would I have been a part of? What wouldn't I have been a part of? Well, it goes yeah. back to your anxiously curious yeah. comment because I find myself asking the question right now, like, was this priesthood ban since the beginning or were there any black people that got the priesthood and then there were. somebody there were. changed it for some reason. And they reason. carried on. So Elijah I've Abel. I've never looked into that. Elijah Abel had the priesthood. He was, you know, and then it was passed on. It was all the way into, I think, the 1920s because his son and his grandson were able to get it. But when the change happened, they still had it. You know what I mean? And, yeah, it's not like you can take so, that away. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's and actually so, yes. a great so who, website who that shows it? the timeline. Um, was it Brigham Young? Brother Brigham? Brother Brigham. <laughs> but, but the That's thing it, is, there about. is, it's called like blacklds.org. Yeah. And it's actually like some very well known timeline. It's really insightful. White professors. And you'll see the timeline of all of that. And it's really fascinating. But it's stuff that people don't know. But that's a great question. Look at you getting anxiously well, no, curious. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I love Thank it. You. Yeah. Well, but, no, I'm fascinated. So Porter Rockwell is like what I've read every book known to me. Yeah. I think he's one of the most interesting characters in our you know lds world but talk about swept under the rug mm-hmm. like nobody talks about him anymore and this guy like i mean he did so many things like he was the most selfless like loyal i mean he did so much for the early church and he was even told in the prophecy it was samson like if you cut your hair like you will not die as long as you don't cut your hair yeah but he had so much compassion on a woman who had you know, her, all of her hair fell out. Her husband left her and he cut off all of his hair so they could make a wig for her. And he died like less than a year later. Crazy. Like, but because of the mountain meadows massacre and some of the, you know, this guy was a rough, he was a rough dude, a rough guy. Yeah. But I mean, those were rough times. They were. So it's like, it's sad that we have this I mean, you take like all the most famous like gunslingers in the West, combine them, and this guy shot more people than all of them combined. Like, but he did it protecting what he believed in, and it it's sad. It's sad that we don't give the we, grace we get to people the, that yes, we ask for it in return. Well, we're so yes, worried about offending so people true. now, and so it's like like I've never heard the name Jay Manning. Like I wrote and that look down up Elijah I, Abel. Elijah, he was the first black man to have the priesthood. And Joseph Smith was alive during that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's anyway, interesting. It really is interesting. I spend a lot of time in Nauvoo, like almost half my year, it feels like. Really? And uh, I, <laughs> I'm going somewhere else. I, I <laughs> choreograph for the church. I do all the dances for the missionaries oh. in Nauvoo. And I guess it's hard for me because there are so many stories that are untold there. Yeah. And every year I go, I just have this nagging feeling like there's so much more. 
you know, that we need to be but showing. Maybe the Lord wants us to tell those stories, you guys to tell those yeah. stories. Maybe it's not the general authority's job to tell those stories. Like those are your stories, right? Yeah. Like until we get some like American born, like black general authorities up there, which, which hopefully next I mean, year it, I'm hoping it, 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 it's, you're seeing a lot more diversity in the general authorities. Yeah. It seems to be more from like out International, internationally, yeah. but it's, I think that God doesn't, I, I really truly believe that it's sometimes it needs to be more grassroots. Yeah, and that I mean, can make why. a bigger difference. And sometimes we judge the church for not doing it when maybe they're not doing it because it's our job. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I have so much respect for Mally Bonner in this because that is what I feel like he's been dedicating his life to lately is just sharing these stories and what he's done with Greenflake has been. But what a cool Amazing. calling. Like, what a cool It is. You just wish you legacy. had the financial backing of the church. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's what's hard, because it's these people out here giving their life, their own paychecks, their life to these things to make a mark in history for our kids. Like, yeah. Mally's whole desire to have this monument of black pioneers is so all our babies, and your babies too, can hear these stories and see it represented because it's not right now. And so I feel like sometimes it's hard for us because yeah, we want to show up and share these stories, but sometimes it's exhausting and then there's pushback and sometimes we don't have the connections and funding. And I feel like so many people that we are connected to, it's like we're all using our own paychecks to sometimes do this bigger mission and it burns yeah. out. You can't, you can only do so much without support of community and sometimes just money, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and relationships. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my uncle tells the same stories. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, there is a bureaucracy there and that's just human nature. Like if it people is, knew half the freaking stories about BYU, it's funny when you were talking about your stories, it's like the only way I can relate to what you were saying about how you know information that you can't tell. Yeah. yeah. Is BYU athletics? It's <laughs> <laughs> like I hear people on yeah, I hear people on Twitter like talking about what they know, and I'm like, oh, if you only knew, like, right? And I'm not necessarily saying all negative things either. Like, there are they, just they things. know, but they yeah. don't know. Yeah, but I can't say anything, nope. right? Yeah, but we, it all falls back though to atonement. Yeah, it and does. And that we are all flawed and that Lead we have with grace to figure, and love. yeah, we have to figure mm -hmm. it out and we have to help each other figure it out. And God's not just going to come down and do it for us. He's not going to, you know, as much as we want the church to maybe get involved, like, again, we are the church. That's true. You know? And mm -hmm. so this right here, maybe this puts a little more money towards what Molly's trying to do. Yeah. And we get and we'll get there cuz I had no idea I had no I've never even heard of it mm. until right now yeah. but I'll definitely be looking into it cuz what a special thing. Yeah. Well, right? and it's I think it's a great thing to talk about with your family, you know. Yeah. And to For watch sure. together I've never and thought there's a just... church black history like I've never even thought to look into that. Yeah. Right? And I won't lie, it's a little harder to find things. Well, I'm it sure, is. but because, the more we you know, look, though, like yes, exactly, the, yeah, the more exactly. the the one person, a BYU professor, whoever that has access to be able to dig a little deeper or has access to the vault, you know, yeah. that where the microfilament, yeah. you just when you're hearing a lot of those stories. There's quite a few people that we follow, and they're older, and they've just been sharing these stories that I mean, they've probably talked about for years, but people weren't really interested in, and it's interesting, like. 
I mean, even just the perspective of the first three black men to attend BYU, I got to hear that story. Wow. I was, when was not that? believe it. It was back. I can't remember the date, but Darius Gray, who's one of them, and he was also in the presidency of Genesis, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with Genesis, but it's a group that black saints pretty much went to the prophet at the time and said, if we can't have the priesthood, there's really not a place for us. We need to find a place that we can support each other. community. And so they were set apart. There was a president and two counselors, and it's still going today. It's in Salt Lake. What? We get to clap. Hold on, yes. say what? We get to clap. Yes, we do. At church? There's a yes, gospel we do. choir. I found my new ward. And so it's once a month, Genesis, and the history of it. It's Sunday evenings, though. Yes, but your kids yeah. get to go to primary, mm-hmm. and they actually get to learn black history. And, I mean, this is here in our state, and it's for black members of the church, but you go, and it's a community. Yeah. I mean, there is every it's color like Polynesian wards, man. Like, but why the crap is that so not much better. known and out in every... Well, I that can, should be done. Honestly, how cool would it be to do that at the conference center once a, once a month? Yeah. So everybody yeah, everyone. can come. Well, we amazing. did do it once, and it was a really big deal. You guys can actually go watch it. And Genesis just had their 50th anniversary, and it is on the church's website, and it will share their history. There's music, gospel choir. But those are really the only two things that we've seen probably in the past decade. Yeah. yeah. That Let me just remind done. everybody else of something. No black people, no barbecue. <laughs> for real i'm saying i don't have my job <laughs> seriously yeah yeah like pit barbecue come like that that's like slavery days like it is. taking it is the like worst the worst cuts of, of meat digging a hole soft. yeah like yeah all the soul so food has a much, story yeah well they're one of my favorite chefs um why well, can't i remember his name right now husk in charleston south carolina i've got his book right down there but his whole entire like purpose for living right now is finding the heirloom rice, corn, all the stuff brought over from Africa. Yeah. Because, and he is really trying to celebrate like the cuisine that the slaves gave us and the mark that they left on the South. Mm -hmm. And he is actually digging up these, these, heirloom seeds that still exist with a lot of work to find and reproducing them. And now you can buy them. Like I bought rice and grits that can directly be connected to the stuff that came from overseas that the slaves grew to feed themselves with. That is cool. Isn't that amazing? That is. Yeah. So I'm really mad that his names, um, I'll tell it to you afterwards, but he wants to tell that story and that's a white guy. And I think that's really, it's like what you've said, Andrew, like it, the change really is going to like, it's us listening and then us. Oh, it's the, it's the quote us doing better with the knowledge that we have. Yeah. And that's this church history stuff though. It's got me. I'm really excited to look into that. Yeah, It's interesting. It is Like that's really, really cool. And that's a great segue into, you know, using the culture that we have here to, to get people to, wake up a little bit yeah well, right? finding the good and using it and yeah. totally. acknowledging it so when well, there is there's so much good so much there is so much yeah, good yeah well i want to i want to hear i want to read journals of any black member that didn't leave the church like why they stayed how that must have been like what well, that felt like right yeah i might be able to help you out with that, that would be so fascinating to read like you talk about a testimony that's always what i say like what faith 
Yeah. Well, and and yeah. that's a f- yeah. story of faith that it's not just for the black members. I mean, 100%. As, hearing that and hearing like, what were you up against? You weren't even treated the same in your congregation. Your family couldn't be sealed in the temple and you still believed in the true and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we talk about the pioneers. Jeez. You add yeah. a whole different level of inside. Mm-hmm. She still choose to stay, right? Well, that's yeah. a personal relationship with Christ. Like, that's what it is. Like, yep. It is. You yes. don't let the church, like... We have to stop thinking that the church is this cookie cutter, black and white. Like you, you can create whatever you want to create for you. Like you are your own person. God sent you here just the way that you are. Yeah. And you don't have to like everything and you don't even have to believe everything. Like you can make it yours. You know what I mean? Make it yours. Like get your relationship with Christ and do what you can do. Like big deal. Amen to that. So anyway. You guys are amazing. So how can people support you and what you're doing? As everyone listens, you know, you guys have, you're amazing. So how can, how can we help you? How can we support what's going on? That's a great question because we have our hands in quite a few things right now. We are working on several courses. Okay. One will be for parents and teachers and schools. It's kind of a mini little black history curriculum that we worked with Dr. LaShawn Williams on. Um, And then we're doing one that's for church members too. And those will come out. And we just, I feel like showing up to our events. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram so you can keep up with what we're doing. Do you have a website? We do not yet. Okay. We're just... (laughs) We're just little Instagrammers over there. You're looking at us like we're judging you. Have you seen Bam Bam's website? I am not judging you. So, I mean, we have an emailing list. That is one thing. But we just try to keep people kind of updated on things they can do. We love to send out tips on what you can talk to your kids about. We love recommending books, children's books. And then I just feel like when we have an event or a workshop, when people show up, when sponsors come in and want to sponsor and work together and collaborate, it just makes our work so much easier. Okay. Yeah. You guys yeah. ever do firesides or anything like that? We've done. We just flew we to Seattle. Seattle. We did one a couple really? weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Are you wanting to speak more? Like if people are listening, like, hey, I want you. Like, is that something you're... I mean, we're going to have some guidelines for you, but... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? We let me be your agent, please. Yeah. Right? Like, we love like, listen, Karen. We, do we love absolutely speaking. love. We've done some keynotes for some big conferences and conventions, and we love it. But we were on speed right C-SPAN now, when we were 15. Yeah. <laughs> we're no we're kind of shutting down for the next couple of months just to build out these courses. Yep. But then as of next year, we'll be back speaking Enjoy again. Enjoy some holiday yeah. time. And we love it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right? Family. Yes. Good time to take a break. Yep. The Our kids. babies are like, maybe yeah. let's talk. This is getting a little too big. I know. <laughs> See, that's, I wonder, like, are your kids, what ages are, like, how old are your oldest kids? Have, I have 12 down to, three, to yeah, between, between the two us. of us. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder if that will be kind of a, like, why do you have to speak up? It's making it weird. Like, I wonder if you'll ever have to deal with that. It, it's kind not. of both for my kids. Like, they'll be like, mom. Go on your Instagram and talk about this. I need my friends' oh, moms to talk really to their cool. kids, mom. So it's like they love it. But then we just we get recognized a lot of places and sometimes they get attention they don't love. Yeah. And sometimes it just is kind of like, I don't know if I like that part of it. And then there are times too, my kids are like, it's a fine line. Like, am I making it better or worse for them? You know? Yeah. So it's it's definitely interesting. But I feel like when they're involved. It's awesome. 
And that so is we way have cool to involve that they, them like, and The fact that them. they come to you guys and yeah. like, will you talk about this right now? Yeah. Because that's so relevant because they're in school right now. They are. And 12 years old, they're coming up on the worst yeah, part true. of well, school, middle school. Well, and they recognize like, sometimes people just don't understand, you know? Yeah. And so if we can have a conversation, right. then it's going to help things. Kids so, are brilliant. They are. They are. And they're resilient, but they're little assholes too. <laughs> I'm serious. No, it's like, true. Like we just dealt with some drama with, with middle school with... I won't say, but kid, like, but it was just rumors being spread yeah. and she had heard it and it was a really bad rumor. And we're talking, you know, 12 to 14 Dead year old for these and kids. you know, we got some parents involved and it's, yeah. it's crazy what these little bastards come up with. And it's so true. it's, it's hard. <laughs> it is. It's you know, hard. It, and we would love to have you back soon. Cause I am, I really did want to talk about the davis county stuff yeah yeah um i don't know if you guys have any openings important the next couple stuff weeks, right but now yeah well i, I would, we would i feel like right now kind of like what i said you need I to mean, like my phone's cool going down off. a little there's, bit there's a lot that i just need to make sure i know what i can say right yeah and so even a yeah, couple so it weeks probably would be better yeah in like two weeks from now that because there's well, and so we, much surface and we all need yeah. to like i'm even guilty of it like we talked before you came i'll just be honest like you read it and it does like there the hard part is it's a minor and you have to protect the privacy of the minor. So it's just like the whole article is like, just it, it feels when people read it and this is, I'm just being real. Yeah. Like it feels very like witch hunt. Like they are just after the, the teacher's evil, the district's evil. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I think that it is very easy, especially with, we're talking about the marketing again, right? Yeah. Like where it all feels like the media has just made it such a, divisive thing yeah. it it's so hard to I, I think what a lot of people are probably will say guilty of is just not reading it like mm -hmm. they see the headline and just like it's so sad because what's divisive about a 10 year old well, girl it, and i get that i'm just right. i'm just being no, real I know. like no, it's, yeah. it's i'm agreeing with you. i'm just saying it's well, so sad see, that but that's that why this divisive. is a great platform yeah. to have like because we have people listening to this that it can be presented in a way where it's not just media trying to keep you locked into the story and trying to make it. Well, there's you know, no narrative. They, there's no agenda. There's no, yes. And yeah. and unfortunately in the media, there generally is. is and so yeah, people don't yeah. know what to believe. And I think it's important. It, it not important is the understatement of the century. Like we have to talk about it. Yeah. Because yeah. we're, this is Davis County. Like Davis right County is here. like Utah County. Yeah. I mean, it is like white Mormon you would never think in well, a million the years. Thing is, like we've known this for years. Like, right. I've heard the stories. I was reached out by some of these some of these moms reached out to me a couple years ago. 2018. And so it's wow. like for us, it might be new news to other people, but we've been hearing these stories and they're just swept under the rug. And, and it doesn't so mean sad. the whole district's bad or no. every person. And I think that's the but problem. But there are some crucial like, things that we need to fix yes. and figure right. out. And so it's, it's good to hear like how people are taking and responding because even it. us, our community, our world, the information we know, it's a different conversation than maybe yeah. your world. And it's important, I think, that I want to know. I don't know yeah. what people think. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's important to hear that. Yeah. Because it's not that people don't want to take it seriously. It just the way that things get written and the yeah. headlines get written, it just feels like more of the same divisive stuff. And it's like, but this one is different because when you read 10 year old 
black autistic right su- anything suicide next to a 10 year old like what in the hell is happening like this is a like you can't run away from this one right and it's like and it, we can't let this happen well again. and there's so what do we have to do well, yeah. and we need the situation for lack of a better word like we need to take advantage of this being such a hard-hitting story so we can do better so we, yeah. yes so i mean and people are going to listen that's yeah. history unfortunately that's that's history that's like, emmett till we have emmett till oh, which man. was the catalyst to like the civil rights movement and we have all of these traumatic events that have happened that literally wake us up and it, we have to let it wake us up you know well and it's hard because every situation's complex there's yeah. always so many factors and things but it comes to like taking accountability mm-hmm. and also like what does it look like? Sometimes I don't feel like we model enough. What does doing better look like? Yeah. What does redemption look like? What is owning and saying this was wrong? And I mean, it's all so extreme. Like what? You know, but what's sad is it's not like I think that maybe we make like us as you know white people like it's what we need to do. I don't think anyone's asking for too much. It's not even a lot. It's just acknowledgement and an improvement it's yeah. not yeah. even like i think there's this whole thing with like you know you hear the word reparations right mm-hmm. like oh man they just want to like you know they just yeah. cash in for what happened before and blah blah blah, blah. although one reparation thing just happened that i thought was badass <laughs> i get what you're talking about manhattan beach i think so the bruce family i don't all that beachfront property that, oh, yeah. that was yeah. stolen from them and yeah. they just gave it back to their family. Yeah. We're talking like hundreds of millions in property value. Right on the water. Yeah. It's amazing. These were freed slaves that bought the land with their own money mm-hmm. and made it a place for other freed slaves to come and have yeah. a safe place to live. Had it ripped out from them under them in like the 20s or 30s. Yep. Which was happening all the time. All the time. During that time and period. I'm so floored that they actually gave it back. That's an I know. awesome story. Well, and yeah. even reparations, that's something I did not even understand. Yeah. And then I understood and it has opened my eyes. But you have to dig back into history and See, that's 40 the, acres and a with, mule. And you know, you totally. got to go there. Yeah. It's yeah. not just about like, I think the media has kind of portrayed it as like reparations. They just want money. Like, you know, you look at like Indian reservations, right? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. You live on an Indian reservation. You better get paid. You deserve it. Right. But it's like when you actually put a story to it, like the Bruce family. Yeah, mm-hmm. these aren't reparations. This is just doing what's right. right. It is like their family, their ancestors are still in California. Mm-hmm. Like that is their property. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, like the <laughs> deed in hand. We're not asking you to do anything. Just be a <laughs> just good do human. What's know, honest. I know. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. Just be a good We're not human. Asking that much. No. Well, and that to the. But sometimes point. until you hear the stories, people can't humanize it enough yes. to feel that way. That's right, you know? right. Well, we blow it up in our heads because of media, because of whatever else. Well, right? even just like, beliefs and, of the past. Like, yes. I even feel like things that were explained to me yeah. from a very one-sided perspective, and then I see another, and I was like, oh, whoa. You know, that's totally different than what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and with the white and the black, like, it's funny, J. Cole, I love J. Cole. He's like, but I love that he tells the black side of his story. Like yeah. you listen to his music, there's so much depth to what he's, he talks about real stuff, but he doesn't yes. shy away from the fact that he's white too, but he's like, but I have like, I have this 
right. platform. I'm using it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so cool. And it's the same thing that you guys are doing. And it's, it, it's a huge, like you said, it's a huge responsibility and I don't, I couldn't do it. I don't think most men could do it. Doesn't matter what color they are. Correct. Sorry, yep, Br- sorry, Brandon. Sorry, Brandon. These men. Brandon, you would totally punch someone, <laughs> um, just like I would. But it, we're all blessed because you guys are doing what you're doing. Thank you. I don't. So, I can't promise we'll do it forever. But right, no. season. <laughs> right. Everything like has it's a season. What we need yeah. to be doing. Everything yeah. has a season. Well, yeah. It's very like timing wise. It's 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 needed. Right. Yeah. Like, it is. The momentum's there. We got to keep up with the momentum because even I'm guilty of back. Like we talked about, you know, like I said before it, you know, we had this amazing talk with Tim and Yahosh, but it's like you read enough media and you read, it just, you kind of, you just get kind of what immune to it. Like you, or you, it just, it's easier to just kind of like, yeah, I think that is the issue. And it it takes like reconnecting to the individuals who are living and experiencing these things because the the media does. Yes. It desensitizes well, right us. It makes us so want to be like, desensitized. No more. We don't want this. Yeah. 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 And I don't think our bodies were made to take in all of this intense information all the time. Right. And so we well, do. It doesn't we have, have to, to be as intense all the or time. Or as right? negative. Like you, can have, yeah. you can have positive, uplifting conversations. Like they don't have to always be so heavy, although they will be. Yeah. They don't always have to be. They right? don't. Like that connection yeah. doesn't have to be so heavy. Yeah. There's so many awesome, hopeful stories too. Like that's what I'm really excited yes. about to dig in because it's like we can learn from people. Like, I mean, any LDS person that stuck with it after the priesthood thing, like that's a Christ-like human being. Yep. Like that's the person I want to learn from. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. We are doing a 2.0. Okay. We would we love ha- it. We have Get it in to. the calendar. Yes. We're doing it. Everyone go follow them at let's talk sis on instagram yeah it's let's talk underscore sis there we go yeah so that's where we're going Until we find the person that has the other one I know, right? get it we're gonna get it <laughs> yeah but thank you so much this has been amazing you guys are incredible thank you for being willing to come down here and chat with us thank, thank you thank you, so thank you both